Wilson pulls the trigger. Welcome to the cockpit. My name's Ryan and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilot. I have Joe Blewett from Jets X Factor. Joe, how you doing tonight? Uh, I'm getting very impatient, to be completely honest, with all these, with the, the combines over now. So free agency come up in about, what, a week from, from today-ish. So I want that to be done. I want to know who is on the Jets um, going into next into next year. I'm done with the with this whole waiting, waiting period. We've been talking about it for months. I'm just, I'm so done. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Boys and girls, hit that like button if you're just jumping in with us. Uh, and yeah, we're, we got a lot to talk about. We could talk about some Calvin Ridley. We're going to talk about the combine. We're going to talk about some of our favorite players. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of uh, some mock draft. We'll see what winds up happening. Uh, but let's start Let's start with like the immediate news, and then we'll jump into the combine. What were your initial thoughts when you saw Calvin Ridley was suspended for a whole season for gambling? Now he's definitely not an option for the Jets. You know, like... <laughs> Like, obviously, I, I didn't think the Jets would be willing to do it anyway, just based on, obviously, some of the mental health questions, which we can never get into the head. Always got to preface it with saying that, but it's still a risky game you're playing. Um, and to me, maybe there were teams who would be willing to take that risk. I didn't think it would ever be the Jets, but it's still it's still disappointing. One for him, one for the league, and and three for the fact that that takes another guy off of the board for other teams. But obviously, when the board, there's more players to, to take – it gives the Jets better better options, you know. So when you take another guy off, now we're talking about what three, four, five, maybe top guys that we're talking about trading mm -hmm. for, signing, whatever. Um, so it hurts the Jets' chances in landing another guy. So uh, I think it I think it hurt the the team in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not even just the the fact of trying to trade for someone, and like I mean, you, you look at Schultz. It sounds like he's going to get franchise tagged. Najoku gets franchise tagged. It sounds like Devontae Adams is going to get franchise tagged. Godwin's going to get franchise tagged. Um, with Ridley out for the year, now you're going to have such a small amount of, of proven talent that every team in the NFL is going to be fighting over. Uh, Amari Cooper sounds like he may be hitting free agency. He's a player that I've been pretty vocal on. I'd much rather trade uh, you know, a fifth-round pick for him, take on the massive contract, even if it's for a year, um, you know, to give Zach a number-one wide receiver, and then you draft you know, you'll know who you get in the draft, right? Like, I still want to get someone like Christian Watson. Uh, who knows, maybe Burks winds up sliding a little bit and you, you want to make a move up to go get him. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. Every time I do a mock draft, I wind up finding some pretty nice receivers at like the mid-20s or so. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't necessarily mind coming up. I don't know. It's not good. He apparently Ridley bet uh, $1,500. That was his, uh, his thing. It's like, I don't have a gambling problem. It's like, well, you know... <laughs> Oops, I don't know. What it's to just tell you. a really stupid move to risk your career to to bet fifteen hundred dollars when yeah. making millions, you know. So, um, but yeah, in terms of like the receiver thing, I've been steadfast in this for for months. I want the Jets to address that number one receiver spot before the draft because mm -hmm. whoever you fall in love with, that's that's fine. One, are they going to be there where you want to pick them? Um, and two, a lot of these receivers, you know, minus Jamar Chase and some other standouts, a lot of these guys take a year or two to really hit their stride. Um, and I want to help out Zach Wilson right now. And then we look at this this combine and just the, the film in general. Like the top of the draft is very, very, very defensive heavy. So do you want to reach for a receiver at 10 when you might have guys like Trayvon Walker there? You might have guys like Carl Loftus there. Maybe we get lucky. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but we get really, really lucky. And Sauce Gardner falls. Do you, are one of those receivers really worth it over those guys? In my mind, absolutely not. 
So I want that proven guy to come in and help out Zach. And, and with all that being said, like a lot of people say, okay, we'll just help him out with this receiver at 10. Sure. It sounds great. There's plenty of busts in the first round. So we can't act like just because we like these guys highlights that they're going to, that they're going to be studs. So what if you mm-hmm. take a receiver at 10 and he's not what you thought he was to be, you know, look at guys like Jalen Rager. I know he's a little bit you know farther down in the first round, but what if he doesn't hit? And now you have a massive contract into a guy who um, needs to help out Zach Wilson right now. So uh, I'm still on the, on the train of helping out through free agency, um, whether that be, you know, hopefully Godwin, apparently there's, there's some reports now that he might not get tagged from, I think, mm-hmm. Josina Anderson. So um, you have guys like that talking about, you know, the Texans maybe looking to trade Cooks for like a, a later round pick. You have Cooper, like you said, Allen Robinson. So I want to hit that hard initially. Uh, offense in general, you know, tight end, receiver, guard. And then you go into the draft. And okay, if a Dotson's there at 38, if you if if whoever's there, Romeo Dubs or whatever, um, at 69, you want to take him? Sure, but I don't want to be forced into a spot where I have to take a receiver because you need to help out Zach Wilson um, unequivocally this this offseason. Yeah, 100%. You're looking at like the strength of the the free agent class and the strength of the of the uh, the draft class. Clearly, defense is is top heavy. There's a lot of good offensive linemen, but you look at the the free agency strength and you see guys like a, a Lake and Tomlinson, who the Jets may wind up having an inside track on. We have the salary cap space to go out and get him. He has the report with with Shan, um, not with Shannon, with Lafleur and and Salah. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, he doesn't necessarily prevent you from taking some offensive linemen a little bit later, but you could probably look, you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, to really round it out. I almost want to see the reverse of what we saw last year where you get like a shotgun spray of of potential guys in rounds four and five, uh, same way we saw with the secondary. And then you you, you create that depth. Like right now we have Eccles. Um, you know, maybe our version of AVT on the defensive side is a sauce gardener or, or is an edge rusher. And then you go into the, you know, the second round. I still think you got to surround Zach with talent. Um, the, the tight end situation is going to be an issue because i don't know how you solve that in free agency i could see us possibly double dipping in the draft and i'm totally cool with that if mcbride's there at you know 35 or 38 you want to make the the move on him and then you want to go get ruckered in the third round or the fourth round definitely on it um you know there's a few different tight ends here um yeah it's going to be really really interesting um yeah in term, and, and in terms of tight ends too i think i think the Browns either just tagged Najoku or they're about to tag Najoku. And that was kind of like the number two in free agency to me. Um, yeah. Them paying him over $10 million for how to use him is kind of crazy to me. But that's, you know, I guess mm-hmm. the, 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 they can't escape, you know, being the Browns. <laughs> but um, yeah. with that, like, I think I think the double dip comes from supplementing in free agency. Like, you can't mm-hmm. go, again, like, for, to me, especially for offense, you can't go into the draft needing something. Because yes. what if the Jets, okay, they have McBride and another random, like, Wademeyer as the only guys worth 35 mm-hmm. and 38. What if they go 31 and 33? And then what you're reaching for, you're reaching for Rucker in the second round. And then what if Rucker doesn't, it, he goes in the late second round. So now you're stuck, mm-hmm. you're stuck there with empty hands. So to me, you, you need to at least add a player in free agency, whether that be a Max Williams or, you know, whoever people like OJ Howard or, you know, uh, Tunyon, whoever it's going to be, they can't go into the draft needing that position either because, again, you you never know how the board is going to fall. So um, I think they're going to look at some of those secondary options. If I had to bet, is the big fish going to come here? Um, Probably not. And with, like you said, the rumors, you know, that they're going to tag Schultz, the market's pretty thin, but you still need to bring in somebody because worst case scenario – you can't have Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, Yaboa, and whoever else as your Dan as your Brown. three tight end again. You need to have somebody there. You know, again, worst worst case scenario, that's your starter, whoever it may be, and then you have Croft, which is 
obviously really, you know, excuse my French, but a shitty situation, but you can't, you can't go into the draft needing out two guys. Yeah, for sure. Guys, if you're just tuning in, make sure you hit that like button on the way in. And if you're interested, uh, down below in the description, I do have our mock draft contest for the season uh, or for the off season. It's fun. It's free. Whoever wins, it's going to get their choice of a jersey. It doesn't have to be a Jet jersey. If you are a fan of a different team and you want to do that, by all means. My one buddy's a Giant fan. He's going to do it. He's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a pre. I'm going to get a Tom Brady jersey. I was like, you know what? If you win, you're going to get an Eagles Tom Brady jersey. I tell you what. <laughs> and he's just like, you son of a... I was like, ah, ha, ha. Whatever. But it's fun. It's easy. It's not too bad. It's easy. It's the mock-out app. I've done it before. You guys can check it out. Uh, but, Joe, let's jump into the combine. Let's talk a little bit about each position group, and let's go day by day. So Thursday, we wound up seeing the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the tight ends go. Uh, for me, I think the biggest storylines were Christian Watson just blowing up the combine, and mm -hmm. I think Malik Willis seemingly like cementing himself as, as quarterback one. Some of the passes he had, I think, are going to get some – quarterback needy teams um a little excited maybe a potential trade out of number 10 uh what were your overall thoughts of the quarterbacks the tight ends and the wide receivers from day one yeah i didn't really i, I didn't really pay attention to the quarterbacks minus like you said willis standing out or will standing out um and you're hoping a team you know ideally trades either 10 with if, if the jets do want to trade down there or above the jets to push down one of the edge rushers or whoever it's going to be um down to 10 for the jets so i was happy that he played well obviously pickett having eight and eight and a half inch hands is below the threshold the NFL wants. So is that a concern mm -hmm. um, for some teams? It will be for some teams. It won't be, but undoubtedly for, for some teams it, it will be. Um, and then other than that, like, like standouts positively that I wrote down um, overall tail Lava still stood out, even though he ran mm -hmm. a, you know, four, two, six and got dropped down to a four, three, nine, which is, which is absolutely crazy. Um, overall, he looked pretty smooth. You have uh Chig, Okawano, whatever his name is from Maryland, the tight end who, who looked mm -hmm. like a savage. Um, McBride didn't put the best numbers, but he looked pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. The wrote down. Um, I think another guy who, who kind of took another step up in the right direction was Garrett Wilson. Him running a four, three, yep. uh, six was, was good for him because some people co uh, questioned his, his deep speed again, an option for 10 at, at 10. That's a discussion for a different day. Not for me, to, uh, but is what it is. Christian Watson, Fingers like he said, he goes at eight, right? We want him to five, like, six, seven, eight, three, yeah, like two. Anywhere yeah, ahead sure. of us, just like, just before us to push someone else down. We want, you know, yeah. Um, Christian Watson, four, three, six at two Oh eight, mm -hmm. six, four, like you said, 11, four broad 30, uh, 38 and a half inch verticals. Ridiculous. So you're looking at a guy who was probably talking, we're talking about in a third or fourth round, going to be a second round pick now. Now is he going to be high enough to be 35 or 38? Um, not a hundred percent sure. And in terms of negatives, let me see what I got. Uh, Burks is, Mm -hmm. You know, listen, like, I don't think, I don't think the, in terms of him being 225, running a four, five, five, not the worst thing in the world. That's you're, you're moving pretty fast for that size still, but, um, 33 inch vert, he's in the 20th percentile, the 20th lowest percentile of, of, of combine. So mm -hmm. you're looking at a guy who's not overly explosive vertically, um, 10, two broad, which was, is not very far. You had guys like, uh, what's mm -hmm. his name? Davis matching out from Georgia at 340 pounds. You had a seven two eight three cone, which is eighth among the receivers um, in the eighth percentile, which is really really low. So we're looking at a guy who, to be honest, I, I'm not the highest on, and people were saying he's in a test like DK Metcalf, and clearly he didn't. So um, I think he kind of fell out of favor for some people. And then other than that, I have David Bell as a guy who who kind of flubbed up his his day. But uh, I think I think Burks is one of the major L's kind of in that day. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I was very high on, on Burks, and I think now I'm looking at him probably around 35. If he's there, I think he has can definitely go at the end of the first round. I think he's definitely deserving of it, but I wouldn't you know even consider him at 10 at this point. You look at some of the... You know, I had one person get really upset with me that I compared him to Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown, <laughs> and I want to get your thoughts on it, because like size-wise and like yeah. metric-wise, I think it's like not totally wrong and he does want to mimic Debo Samuel in the NFL so like it's kind of ish are do you see any similarities between the two of them because uh Debo Samuel wound up going I believe it was pick 36 and I think AJ Brown was 51 or something like yeah, that they're both guys. top middle of the second round or so yeah and, and that's kind of like where I like again again people are People fall in love with guys like that. You know, you think he's a top ten pick the entire time. Um, I've been saying for a little while. I think he's a, a later first, early second round guy in other drafts. So, mm -hmm. um, I think people equate him to AJ Brown and Debo. So they're kind of not looking at what they were as prospects, but looking at what they turned out to be in the NFL. And I think Burks could be a good, you know, player in the NFL. But what for what he is right now, I'm not taking him at ten. There's absolutely no way. Um, and I think he has the ability to go up and get the ball. I think he has good yak ability. Um, but taking him at 10, I'm not for it. And to me, I was disappointed with the film. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't overly high on him, uh, in, in terms of the offense he played in, he was schemed the ball. Uh, he was schemed open a lot. Didn't have to run a lot of routes. The routes were super rounded. And then something that really, really bothered me about him. And maybe it's just because like, you know, at 29 years old, I'm like the old, get off my, you know, old man, get off my lawn type stuff. But for me, there were plays where he was involved in the blocking scene, like on a crack toss. And he would have to crack the DN, the linebacker, the safety, whoever it might have been. And he would run to his, to his assignment and kind of just, you know, tuck his hands and spin out of it and not really get involved with the guy. And it bothered me. Um, you see plays where he gives up if, if he's not the first read. And then there was plenty of plays where a guy like, you know, you see Drake London who fights for every single yard. And then mm -hmm. to me, I hear, okay, Debo Samuel, I think he's going to be tough as nails. And there's mm -hmm. times where, where I'm watching it and we'll, maybe we'll pull up the film another day. Um, where he can get an extra two or three yards and he's ducking out of bounds. So you're talking about Ebo and he's ducking out of bounds and not fighting for extra yardage. What is that about? You're not blocking hard. What is that about? So I wasn't overly high on him coming into it. And then these numbers being really low in some of the three cones and stuff like that, I think it dropped him to, again, a guy who's going to be probably late first because he's going to bet on the upside, but um, definitely not an option for the Jets at, at 10. Um, I think he never was for me, but I think for fans now they're starting to realize that too. Yeah, Christian Watson's, Christian Watson is the guy that I'm definitely looking at. I would take him at 38 or 35. I think the explosions there and the upsides mm -hmm. there, and we got to see him at the senior bowl. So I trust Douglas if he makes the selection at that point. Um, yeah. David Bell, I was disappointed in. I thought he would have tested better. Um, I thought he would be somewhere middle of the second round, but you know, with this bad combine, I could see him, you know, sliding a bit. Was there any? Yeah. Yeah, thirty-three inch vert, sub ten foot broad jump, four four six five. Not not the best numbers. And and again, like mm -hmm. there's gonna be some guys who, and I, I think like it, it can tinker your board a little bit with how you have guys ranked. Is it gonna drop? Is it gonna bring a guy from a from a thirtieth pick to a to the twelfth pick? No, but like can it tinker a little bit? Like maybe did you have Carl Loftus and um and uh, what's his face Walker like like you know 4A 4B type deal 3A 3B whatever it is and like one of them moved over the other sure. Um, but for guys like Bell, who was like that second, third round guy, you want to see something. So maybe, it, you know, it, it drops him a little bit, but I do want to preface by saying like, I'm not just, I'm not talking about these guys in terms of, okay, their combine makes them. Sometimes it confirms what you see on film. Sometimes it, you have to go back and, and watch or something. Um, or sometimes it just makes you question it, you know, 
uh, for some of those reasons. So, um, yeah, a guy like Bell definitely definitely hurt himself. But I just want to preface by saying I'm not just we're not just going off this to go off of it. That's it. Jared drops in with a super chat. He says, "Alec Pierce, I will die on this hill." How are you feeling? Pierce is the Cincinnati receiver. Is that right? Yeah, he put up some good numbers too. I, th- I think I split yeah, him because I wrote down a couple. Three, of- I think. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote down a couple of guys. Uh, I know I don't know what his numbers were exactly, but I'm pretty sure he had a 9.9 RAS score, uh, yeah, yeah, which is high. ridiculously high. So you're talking about um, an act, in terms of his body composition, his testing numbers are studs. So is he a guy who's going in the second round? I don't think so. Maybe he would. But if you're looking at, again at a guy who might have been like an, a late third, early fourth, now the Jets see him at 69. They're saying, hey, we could develop this guy. You know, especially if you're not relying on him to be one of your like three, like, you know, starter type guys. Mm-hmm. If they sign a Cooper and this is your fourth guy, Alex Pierce, develop him for a couple of years. You know, once once Cooper, whoever, um, you're, you can get out of their contract with with no dead money and you want to develop him. Uh, sure. But, yeah, he dominated. Again, 9.9 RS score is that's, that's as good as you're going to get for, for the combine. So. For those of you guys wondering, the RAS score is the RAS, Relative Athletic Score. It gauges how uh, explosive and athletic you are when compared to other players at your position. So if Joe Douglas, over the course of his two drafts, has not drafted any player below an 8.6 on the RAS score in the first three rounds. Elijah Moore was the first one. That was the 8.6. Everyone else was actually above a 9. Um, so it's going to be yeah. interesting to see if that's something that he continues in this draft because mm-hmm. Burks wound up with, I think it was like a 6.9 or something along those lines. Um, so yeah, for a guy who was hyped up to be an athletic freak, I just, I, I didn't see it. Um, and you talk about like the RAS score too, like, uh, Jonathan Marshall was a 9.99 last year. He was like, mm-hmm. he was like one or two of like the last 1400 defensive tackles. So he definitely likes guy who have that, that upside. Um, and I think it's a good, like, it's a, it's a good kind of like mindset to have like in the later rounds. Like to me, it's like, okay, take guys who are like, might've been a little bit banged up and you can hope they get healthy who are better players. Or you take guys who are raw with supreme physical upside. And we saw that with a couple of the late, late round guys in terms of, of bringing in um, Eccles, bringing in Jonathan Marshall, bringing in uh, Nazaluddin. Like you're looking at some, some athletic freaks. So um, for these guys in, in the third, fourth, fifth round, a guy like Alex Pierce, who I think will probably be like a third round guy. Um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, a, definitely a potential Joe Douglas target. So Chrono Kenny drops in with a super chat. Thanks. Chrono Kenny says, what do you think about Pickens in round two? I really like Pickens from watching his highlight tape, but mm-hmm. I, my understanding is that he's got some off the field. I don't want to say disciplinary, but like has mm-hmm. maybe not quite the personality fit. Um, so skill level would love him. would absolutely take him in the second round. No questions asked. Um, I believe he was projected early third before the combine, but he did have a really good combine. So I'm, I'm curious to see your thoughts on uh, Pickens, the receiver from Georgia. It's, it's, it's a bunch, it's a bunch of what ifs. And I, I didn't hear about the, the character concerns, which um, I don't really get too far into like too deep into the woods with that stuff. Um, so if that's a question mark, then obviously that's something that Joe Douglas would most likely steer away from just based on the way he's drafted in the past. And then, it's about medicals. Like, like, okay, is, is he worth, you know, people are saying he's a top three guy in this, in this draft uh, in terms of receivers um, if he was healthy, but we don't have the medical. So how do we, how do we judge that? You know, it's an, it's impossible. I can't say like, Oh, well, you know, the, the cartilage in his knee didn't repair as well as it should have. So I'm not going to draft. Like I have no idea. So if he's healthy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, I think he's a, a top three round option for the jets, but um, there's no way of knowing that simply. Uh, all right. So let's move on to day two of the draft. 
that was the offensive linemen and the running backs. Now, I don't necessarily think the Jets should go after a running back in the first or second, or definitely not in the first, but, um, you know, in the second round. I would say I would prefer to retain Tevin Coleman and then maybe look fourth or fifth round for a guy that you think has some athletic upside. We know the the Shanahan, LaFleur system, they really like their sub 4-4 running backs or 4-4 and below. Um, mm-hmm. So you can kind of pencil in a few guys. Um, is there anyone running back-wise that you think the Jets should be looking at at all, uh, or do you think it's something that maybe we should look at in free agency and maybe not consider you know, in the draft? I think you can do both. Like if like I know there's a guy like Raheem Moser out there, um, who's obviously one of the more uh, fast running backs in the league, and it fits well with an outside zone system. Obviously, play with the 49ers, so that's 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 a good fit for like a million dollars. I think they'd bring back Kevin Coleman. Uh, past that, I don't really think they have much or many rosterable running backs. To be completely honest, like Ty Johnson flashes a couple times, but he's he's just not good. I'm sorry, he's just not good. Uh, obviously, P Ryan is is in the doghouse, and he didn't get many many reps in his second year. Um, which is not a positive um, light for his his third year going to NFL. So I doubt he's on the team next year. And then past that, I, I would like, you know, a, a running back in the draft. And, you know, depends on obviously who falls, but rounds three to three to five, you know, um, get one of those those like power backs who could kind of supplement Carter. Um, we, all, we obviously saw Carter have a couple of injury problems in his, in, his, in his rookie year. And just with running backs in general, like you don't really see minus the Kamaras and the, and the Zeeks of a couple of years ago, you don't really see guys taking on like the full workload. So you want you want a 1A, 1B um, type system. And the Niners and the Shanahan systems are famous for that anyway. So that's probably what they want to do um, regardless. So some guys who stood out that I wrote down, um, I know uh, Brees Hall from, was yep. it Iowa State? He said, right, 4 yep. three nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker, four three eight. He stood out with yep. Michigan State, right? So, yep. um, you know, I, I know there's some guys like then later on, like Pierce is is one. Uh, Knights one, right? Uh, people talk about Brian Robinson. So I, I think like the the fourth fifth round is a good spot to hit to hit running back. Now again, um, always preface it by saying I gotta watch these guys because there's guys who I love before I watch them, and then I watch them, and I'm like, yeah, not really about yeah, it. So I don't like to attach myself <laughs> to people because. Then people on Twitter are like, oh, Joe loves Alex Pierce. And then I'm like, I watch I'm like, no, 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 we can't. Let's not do that. You know, so I always had to preface it. But um, yeah, I, I think I think they hit the the most likely rounds four or five and another free agent to, to supplement that room and, and create some um, good diversity or good, uh, good variety um, and to take a little bit off of Carter's load. Now, as far as the offensive line goes, we didn't get to see Evan Neal test. Uh, he's going to go to his pro day. Uh, and that's when he's going to do any of the uh, the position drills or anything like that. Now, I definitely think that he hurt his draft stock by not going to the combine because I do think that Aquanu and Cross both had very good combines. I could see them being, you know, one and two as far as the offensive linemen go. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your thoughts on the offensive line position for the New York Jets? Because we obviously have Morgan Moses who needs to be re-signed. George Fant's going into the last year of his deal. Connor McGovern's going into the last year of his deal. The Jets have been linked to uh, Jensen, the center from the Bucks, who Joe Douglas scouted in Baltimore. We've been linked mm-hmm. to uh, Bozeman, the center for the Ravens right now. We interviewed Linderbaum at the Combine. We tested Zion Johnson at guard and at center at the Senior Bowl. Do you think the Jets are definitely looking to move on from Connor McGovern? And what do you think about the rest of the offensive line? Um, yeah, I, I guess they, 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 they could be looking to move on from McGovern or are they looking to sign one of these guys and move McGovern over to guard? Uh, to guard? I know that his numbers weren't great when he played guard, but again, he was in his rookie year, um, I believe. Mm-hmm. So 
obviously you can improve. Um, so do they look to bring in a Jensen and then cut uh, McGovern and then maybe bring in Lake and Tomlinson? I, did, I don't I don't love a lot of turnover on the line, especially center to quarterback like that connection. So um, unless there's like a stud there, uh, do you move Bozeman McGovern? Is someone I like because Bo- Bozeman, it was his first year at center this year. He played guard before that. And then he's only 27 years old. So you kind of have a little bit of, of growth with Zach Wilson. You could have him through the duration of Zach's rookie contract if you wanted. And I, I think you still probably want to look to bring, I don't know. If you bring in Jensen, you got to draft a center, I would think, as well. At least a guy that can play center and guard in like the third, fourth round. Yeah, that, like that's my main question with, with you know, bringing in um, like a Linderbaum because Linderbaum is a center-only prospect. He's not a guard. There's, there's, he's, he's, he's not big enough to play guard. Guard, you have to take on guys more head-on than, than center where you have to reach more and things like that. So he's, he's a strictly only center, strictly only his own guy. I think he's also lighter than any center in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe the guy from Minnesota um, who they drafted from NC State a couple of years ago, Bradbury, would only be close. But, but regardless, like he's – He's definitely a center-only guy, short arms. Um, so you'd have to feel comfortable enough with not only taking him at 10. Like, is he worth the 10th pick? We can, we can have that debate all day. But is he worth the 10th pick and also moving McGovern to, to guard? Like, you're, you're you're displacing a guy to bring in him as well. So I don't think he's the best option for the Jets um, at 10. But, I, you know, if they bring in Jensen, again, do they do they move McGovern? It's a question we have to ask. Um, or do they just look to simply bring in a Lake, Lake and Tomlinson or James Daniels? Like, James Daniels like my number one guy. Again, want to watch him, but that's that's something I want to bring in. And then you shore up that position because again, I am strictly on the on the the bandwagon of the top of the draft is very defensive heavy, very very defensive heavy. So let's not reach for offense. Let's let's address the offense with guys who are ready to play right now. You know, James Daniels been in the league for a couple of years, but still has plenty of, of room to um, to even grow. He's not even in his prime yet. You know, Cooper is a lower tier number one. Cooks, whoever whoever you like, you bring into the tight end. Like so so that that kind of. Um, also comes with offensive line too. Like I, I want them to trust mm-hmm. the, the offensive line because what if you go into the draft and, and you don't, you know, icky goes and you don't have a, you don't have something you want to take there at four, then you don't like Linderbaum at 10. And then you're praying that Zion Johnson falls to, to 35 and he gets taken at 31. And what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you pray to bring back LDT? Like, so mm-hmm. just, uh, just hit offensive hard in a couple of days. That's, that's really where I'm at. Yeah. I think LDT is one that I would like to try and retain for, for cheap. Um, and then I would go after Lakeland, Lake and Tomlinson because of that fit with the 49ers, James Daniels. I do like, he's definitely a scheme fit. I would say the, the one knock on him, I believe was injury, uh, not injury, sorry, uh, penalties him and, um, Connor Williams. Is that the one down in Dallas? The yeah, Dallas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The two of them very high on the, uh, the penalty train. So I don't know. I, if you could bring back LDT and then you bring in someone like Bozeman and then you, you bring in Lake and Tomlinson, now your offensive line I would I would consider set, assuming you, you restructure or extend Fant. I, I think it would be a smart move to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as drafting guys, I, I don't ideally, and I've said this the entire time, I, you know, I, I had us mocked with Aquanu. I had us mocked with, I think, Neil at one point. But I very much do not want to take offensive line in the first round. My my fear was that they would not like what was going on with Becton. Maybe they couldn't solve mm-hmm. it in free agency, and that's just kind of where the strength of the draft was. Now with watching everything that's going on with like Sauce and you know some of the the other players, we'll, we'll get into that when we get to those days. But like, whew, I very much want to solve offensive line in free agency. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's there's so many questions with the top ten, but. 
Aquano is the only guy in the draft worth taking at four for me um, in terms of the mm-hmm. offensive lineman. I think, you know, there's 306 people in here. I know at least a couple of them are tuning to myself as well. I do not like, I do not like uh, Neil at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be willing to take him, but do you not address guard in free agency? And, and if, and if Aquano is sitting there at, at four, a lot of people say, Oh, you can't take a guard. And, you know, we can argue that all day. I think I, you know, mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson was worth a six pick. Is he going to turn into Quentin Nelson? No, but I also don't think he's a guy who's going to be a lock to be a guard forever. Like if he's mm-hmm. guard, you know, right guard year one. Okay. Becton doesn't work out. You move him to left tackle, you move him to right tackle, depending on what happens with Fant as well. So he offers some uh, positional versatility in terms of being a Joe Douglas guy. Aquanu is an absolute savage, like an absolute savage. Just, I don't know if you saw it, but like I put up like oh, yeah. eight plays or seven, eight or seven or eight of my favorite plays on Twitter. Just go watch him. Like the guy oh, is an absolute he buries bully. people, buries <laughs> people. Um, and he has good technique. He has, he's a good zone blocker. A lot of his like issues come from like double punching on the outside and, and oversetting in space, but that doesn't happen as much obviously as a guard. So, um, I really, really like him, but at the same time, if you're going to get, let's just say James Daniels in free agency, mm-hmm. If he's sitting there at four, is he is he to pick? Probably not, because then you're playing. You're, you're going to draft and be a backup, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this, and as we know, is going to be dictated. It's, it's dictated by free agency. Like if mm-hmm. if they if they land, say J.C. Jackson is Sauce Gardner an option at four, you know, it's it's obviously oh, going to yeah. going to going to dampen yeah. that. So um, we have to see. But just in general, I'm all about hitting offense and and, and really committing to the to the defensive heavy uh, top of the draft. Thomas Cahill dropped in with a super chat. Thomas says, Joe, what do you think about Algiers in the fourth? You know who that is? Yeah, Todd, the, the running back. I know, I know he's uh, I know he didn't run the best, right? Like a like a four, six something. So people said he might actually drop a little bit. And I, I saw him like people talking about him as more as a third round guy. So maybe he is in the fourth. What do we have? Like one oh five or something like that? Yeah. Um so I, I, I think he'd right. be an option. I I, I think the the whole connection to him and Zach Wilson's a little bit overrated. Like maybe, you know, on the field, a little bit overrated. Now maybe they're, they're best buds and that's, that's good to have uh, for Zach Wilson. But, you know, um, do I have a, a firm opinion on him yet? No. Um, but I, I think he's one, one of those names lumped in there. I'm seeing a couple of names. People are asking like Linderbaum and Jermaine Johnson now and all that stuff. So maybe you can get to a couple <laughs> yeah, of the chats, we'll, but um, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on him. Uh, Benjamin <laughs> Wynn says the champ is here. So proud of Matt for staying the whole stream last week. <laughs> Sending Brady to retirement equals best feeling ever. Um, yeah, it was nice to, I guess, have a semi, I don't know. I'm just, I'm glad Brady's gone. I, I'm, I don't want to see him again. I, there were rumors of him possibly coming out of retirement and like playing for the Dolphins. Did you see that a few like weeks ago? Week ago, maybe? Yeah, I saw. I, I heard more of the rumors of him leaving to come uh, to his hometown team and with the, with the Niners or like coming yeah. out of retirement, which I think I think would make sense for the Niners. I think it makes sense for him. Um, like you said, I I am I am just done seeing his face. You know, like and, and to be completely honest, like I, and I don't I'll never like him. Him mm-hmm. throwing the Super Bowl trophy drunk did did lessen the sting a little bit of him for yeah. a couple of years because like the balls it takes to do that. Like okay, I like that he's a little bit of a partier. Um, I'll always hate him though, just because for, for what he did to the jets. And obviously he, he hated the jets and he absolutely just demolished us for years. So I'm never going to support him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready for the, for the new era. And I don't want another team winning games, um, potentially beating the jets, you know, uh, and you know, for a playoff game, whatever, because you know, Brady just lose another game to Brady. Like I'm, I'm, I'm cool with the bucks game losing last second because, uh, whoever the hell that safety was just just completely had his eyes in the wrong place in the cover too. Like that's my last play of Brady in my mind. Just let's, let's just erase it, please. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good with never having to see Tom Brady ever again. 
Uh, all right, so we get to day three of the combine, and that is the edge rushers, the defensive tackles, and the linebackers. So we got to see a whole bunch of people test. The big name that a lot of people were looking at that could be there at number four for the New York Jets is Kayvon Thibodeau. A lot of people very high on this guy. If you had told people maybe a month ago, they'd say there's no way this guy's falling a four. He's going three to the Texans, uh, or he's going to go to the Jaguar. He's going to be before the Jets. Well, we're watching mock draft after mock draft after mock draft, having him at least fall to the Jets at four, and some even as far down as Atlanta to eight. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. He wound up telling coaches that he was going to do all the tests and then wound up measuring in, doing the bench press, getting 27 reps, which is the same amount of reps that Joe Douglas put up back in 1999, fun fact, um, and then wound up running a 40, good 40, 5'8", uh, 4'5", and then just dipped out, was like, yep, yeah, I'm done, I'm good to go. So I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Kayvon Thibodeau? And then I have a clip that I want to play because it's just, it's just interesting. I'm sure there's some people in here yeah. that have, have seen the clip. Maybe not, but I'll, I'll play it after. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on, on Thibodeau. It's such a loaded topic. And like, like with a lot of these draft guys, like people have such strong opinions on them. Like no matter what I say right now, there's going to be half the people who hate me, half the people who like me. And I'm like, I'm going to try to straddle the fence a little bit more because like, or, or a little bit, because like, we don't really know what he's saying in those interviews, but mm -hmm. are they concerning? Like you, you have to be at least a little concerned because now you're hearing stuff coming out about him. Uh, what was I, one of the league executives said that it's like a 15 minute interview and he brought up his brand multiple times. You heard the, the rumors about him. Um, not wanting to play in LA or New Jersey because of uh, the contract money and the taxes and all that stuff. So like when he, when he is trying to get signed in a couple of years, hopefully if he, if he works out, is he going to want to play here? Is he going to be, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying he's a, he's a me guy. Is that true? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say his interviews don't necessarily um, make me feel at ease about that, you know? And then you also uh, have the people questioning, like he thinks he's already like a superstar, just the way he acts. And there's teams who are legitimately asking him like, Hey, and there's a reason the Giants asked this. Like if you don't get a sack for for five or six weeks and you're struggling the first couple of couple of uh, games, you know, out, out of the gate, how are you going to react? So I'm definitely not as warm and fuzzy as I was about him falling to four and the Jets taking him as I was a couple of months ago. You know, at that point, it's like it's like undoubtedly no. Where now it's more creeping to my mind. Like, do we take a Sauce Gardner at four and then hope for a Walker Karloff this type guy to fall to ten? Like that's my ideal situation. Like right now, you know, a lot of time ago, if I could sign the dotted line for Sauce at four. Walker Karloff is at 10 doing it every single day of the week where before it was like the, the most ideal situation minus Hutchinson falling to four was Thibodeau. Um, but now with all the me guy stuff, it, it is, it is concerning. Like I'm not saying I'm, I'm definitely out on the guy, but if teams are bringing it up, if executives are bringing it up, it's, it's a question. And do you want those questions with a guy who's going to be a top four pick for you? It's not something I'm, I'm thrilled about. Like, you know, I'm going to say like a month ago, if you told me, hey, was April 28th at, at 8.15 p.m., the Jets select Thibodeau, I'm going to like, I'm going to shriek in the neighborhood. Like, that's that's what I would have wanted. Now I've been like, oh, like, okay, cool. But I have a lot of questions and that's not what you necessarily want. So it, it is concerning. All right. So guys, I want you to listen to this interview. This is the interview that I was talking about a, a little while ago. I did show it in my combine breakdown, but I know not everyone winds up watching some of that stuff. So this was an interview just before the national championship game where Kayvon Thibodeau talks to Joe Klatt, Joel Klatt on Fox Sports uh, about the Alabama education. Listen, you're going to be a superstar in the NFL, but for guys that aren't, it means something that you, they're a crimson tide. Can player. I give you a perspective? Yes. If I gave you a fishing pole, would you know how to use it? No. I don't fish. You don't fish. 
school has never been important to me or a job or a, or a career has never been important until I was done playing football. How would I know how to go get a career or a job? I, won't. I think it's been it's been one of my arguments for a long time that we don't have have mandatory financial planning classes in you know like and it's for, not even, for every kid in college football they should be in in classes that teach them how to operate their finances and what world do i want to be a part of if i go to alabama i'm going to win national championships literally i said but do i want to be a guy who's known to be a, a national championship winner or do i want to be a guy who's known for being a part of the greatest organization in the world but a brand like nike I mean, for me, it was like, what, what brand associations do I want to be tied to? Sure. You know what I mean? And for me, I, I already hate the stigmatism of, of football players being dumb jocks. Totally. So now, do you know what the stigmatism of, of Alabama education? It ain't the West Coast. No. It, you know what I mean? It ain't, no, I, I it ain't Harvard. No, I, I, I so hear you. So for me, I, I have to look at it and say, I'm only going to be in college for three years. Like I said, but if I would have went to Alabama, I pro I, one, I probably would still be there. And we wouldn't be sitting here today. Two, I probably wouldn't have graduated yet. And three, I don't know if my degree would mean anything. Mm. And there's no guarantee. I think Oregon might be the only place where you are guaranteed. And it's not, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. But there is a 90% chance that if you want to, a Nike opportunity is there. Mm. And, and there's a guarantee that if you play football at Oregon, you can work in the corporate Nike world. That's a guarantee. And Phil Knight, I could call him and he'd, get, he'd say that today. Yeah, this is, it's interesting, right? Like the the thought process to go on TV and to, to badmouth, you know, an Alabama education, it's just like, there's a ton of Alabama players in the league. Why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. Now, I kind of get what he was trying to say. He's trying to say that like, I'm setting myself up for a potential career if football doesn't work out. He tears an ACL, he he blows out his Achilles, maybe he doesn't wind up getting drafted. At least he has some type of corporate job with Nike. So I think yeah. I understand kind of where he wanted to go with this, but like you said before, he brought up his brand. He brought up his brand in that interview right there again. So for me, I'm getting shades of Jamal Adams. I really don't want to touch this guy. I think he's a physical freak, but I think it makes me more comfortable passing on him because of how good some of the other edge rushers are. Like if there was a drop off after Kayvon Thibodeau, then I'd probably be more apt to say, no, 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 just pull the trigger. We'll figure it out. I trust Robert yeah. Sala to keep this guy in check, you know, defensive head coach, all that, you know, he'll, he'll listen to him. Um, I don't know. So does that interview, I mean, I guess do anything for you? Is it, are you irritated by it? Like, I don't know. I, I, when I watch that, I just get fired up and I'm just like, ah, like it gives me the willies. Yeah, I don't think like what he's like necessarily wrong in what he was saying. It's just it's just where you say stuff. Like there's stuff that kind of keep privately. Like, there's no there's no really need to to call out Bam or the education system or anything like that. Like you can go about it in a little bit more of like a safe way. And then there's people who are talking about like he's he's talking about being not you know like a dumb jock and he's bringing up you know stigma versus stigmatism, which is you know, completely different words. Um, so that was that, that was kind of funny in that, but it wasn't it like it's it's more about just bringing it up. That's the question, not actually him like what he said. I don't think he's necessarily wrong. Um, and with that, like, again, for, for teams to come out and, and listen, it's smoke season, like it's, it's smoke screen season. So could teams be coming out and kind of just playing to the narrative and saying this stuff to like, I pray he drops to six because then we're going to put out all this bullshit about him. It could hundred percent be the case. So am I going to rely on jets to figure that out? 
because you know obviously like Ryan, hey, you're the Giants. What is it? Is it is it five or six? And you want him to fall? Wouldn't you put out rumors about him through through sources mm-hmm. to make him fall? So it's it's it, it's a possibility. So for this one, like to just straddle the fence, like I really need to just rely on the Jets for what for what's going on because if he is forcing the brand and the me guy type stuff into interviews then do you feel comfortable with with how he's going to respond to his teammate is he going to is he going to is he going to be a good teammate is he going to sign with the jets is he going to go play in a different place where he can make more money is he going to want to go to the texans where the, the state tax are obviously completely different than new jersey so um there are plenty of questions to answer but it's really for the jets to answer but it's not like he's he's not he's not chase young he's not miles garrett he's not one of those prospects he's just not um he has plenty of questions on film but with that being said, is his film worth a top five pick? A hundred percent. So they have to. It's it's really on Joe Douglas and his staff to to sort it out. If they, if they feel comfortable with him, great, great, grab him at, at at four. If not, you know, if he is that me guy, uh, you don't necessarily want that on your team. And again, I know it's I'm, I'm straddling, but oh, it's always good when when the one of the top edge rushers compares himself to Clowny 2.0, right? Like, like what are you doing, Kayvon? Why? No, I heard. Why I heard. Him I heard him say that in sort of the numbers, and then later in an interview, I forget mm-hmm. with who. I think he compared himself to Clowney in terms of testing numbers, but he wants mm-hmm. to play like Von Miller. I think that's what he said. But then I'm All pretty right, sure that's, that's in that different. same interview, he. I'm pretty sure again. Don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure he said he he'd prefer to play in a three-four, not a four-three, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing, you know, is he gonna get mad if he's a four-three and they're asking him to bulk up a little bit? Because listen, at the end of the day, is 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 two fit or uh, yeah, two fifty-two, a little bit light to play the end. Yeah, like you're looking at the boasts of the world. They're like, you know, 260 plus. You know, you have Carl Loth is at 267, Walker at 272. They're probably better fits to play like a true end. Um, but they can also, you know, they can take advantage of his burst and play him as a nine tech because he has that elite burst off or, or very, very good burst. I'm not going to call it elite burst. It's definitely top notch. Um, so, again, depend on the Jets because he's worth the top five pick. But again, the me stuff, not too, not too, uh, not, not too much about it. Johnny Meyer Heil. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Thank you so much for joining the channel, brother. If you guys would drop some J-E-T-S in the chat, show Johnny all the emojis he's going to be able to get. You guys are going to get access to my 10 o'clock mock series. That's going to start after free agency. So anyone who is a member of the channel, you'll be able to get those exclusive mock drafts uh, right after the Tuesday Talking Jets panel. So it's a fun little half hour or so where we get to sit down pick a, a scenario that we want to go through and then let it play out. Uh, I see some super chats in here. RJ McPot, Shivanshu has two of them and Jetson. Uh, I want to get to those, but I want to cover the rest of, to, of day three of the combine. So just hang tight. We will get to those. Um, so talking edge rusher, let's move on from, from Kayvon and let's talk a little bit about some of the other edge rushers that performed really well. I, there's a lot of guys I like. Trayvon Walker was not someone I was really considering when I was like thinking about him. I'm like, oh, this guy's a defensive tackle. Why on earth would I try to, you know, bring him in? And then all of a sudden he, he tests like otherworldly. The yeah. the arm length, what do you have? 35 inch arms? 35, yeah. Monster. That is absolutely enormous. I There's probably yeah. some consideration of like, if you're afraid of him not making it to 10, maybe jumping up a little bit just to get him. Like, he looks like he's going to be legit. Now, as far as Trayvon Walker goes, is there any concern in your mind? Because I know that the Georgia just friggin' blew up the combine. Like, three guys on that defensive line may wind up going top 15. Is there any thought in your mind that some of Walker's production might be from the the stacked line, or is he a guy that we should really be looking at hard? 
Yeah, look at them hard. Um, and I'm glad I was talking to you before the before the stream. Like a lot of the reviews I've done, I'm already 18 deep, and they're they're I, I pre-recorded them, so it's all of them before the the combine. And I was watching Walker, and I'm pretty sure I said like, dude, this guy's like three three set or two seventy, and he probably has 34 34 uh, 35 inch arms. And they just should be considering him at 10. He tests, and now people are talking about him at 10, maybe maybe even seven or eight. So I'm definitely glad it's timestamp. Uh, when I was watching that. And then again, you come out 6'5", 272, 451, ridiculous. 35 inch vert, mm-hmm. 35 inch arms, um, look pretty smooth in, in, in drills. A 6893 cone for a guy that big. Like he's now, like people are saying in the chat, is is he projection? 100%. Um, is he already really, really good on stunts? Yes. Is he already really, really good in the run game? Yes. Does he play with good leverage? Yes. Does he play with good extension? Yes. So you're looking at a guy who is versatile enough to play all up and down the line of scrimmage. A guy who could be used in stunts, a guy who's a good run defender. Does he need to develop his his pass rush game? Yes. But also with that being said, like I wanted to see when I was watching him at Georgia, I want to see him more as a seven and nine tech to really take advantage of that burst. You take advantage, you know, obviously you force guys to open up, get no vertical set. And um because like the thing is for offense tackle, you have that burst. You if you 45 to reset them, if they outrun you, it's a soft edge. If you if you're taking your vertical set and you're dropping back to the quarterback, then guess what? He built up a lot of speed and they don't have a lot of room to anchor before they get to the quarterback. So he's kind of a hard guy to play on the edge. And I didn't really get to see that at Georgia. Um, does he have to develop his pass rush moves, stacking moves, his his smoothness from go to move to move? hundred percent. He needs he needs to develop his pass rush. But in terms of the freakiest guys in the draft, is there a freakier player in the draft than this guy? You know, who could contribute early on rundowns? Um, and as a, as a stunter and I, just in general, you have him, you have JFM, you have a lot of versatility on the defensive line. So I think he was an option at 10, even before the combine. And now I think he's very much an option at 10, um, for the jets. If he is there now for the jets, like what is the difference between how they feel about him and Carl office? Let's just say they end up with a Quanu or sauce or whatever at four, you know, if they have Carl Loftus and Walker in that same range, three, a three B, like I have them, if one of them gets taken at seven, do you trade up to eight? Do you trade a fourth round pick to get one of your guys? Because to me, I said it on Twitter. Um, I, I feel like get not getting a defensive end in this mm-hmm. defensive end heavy top of the draft, it'd be a failure. So if you have to trade a fourth round guy who might be another Ashton Davis or whoever, do you trade that to, to secure yourself one of these guys? So um, yeah, he he firmly supplanted himself in the in the top ten. But in terms of you know him being a project, sure. All Thibodeau, people who you know guys who are salivating over, it's also a project. He has more pass rush moves than than Walker does, but in general, like this guy is an absolute monster. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Now, I really like. I know you're not like as crazy about him as I am. I really like Jermaine Johnson. I'm a big fan of Jermaine Johnson. I have him. Yeah. If he's sitting there at ten, no problem. I'm kind of. I would say I'm more of the shotgun style burst. Uh, at the edge position. There's a lot of guys that I do enjoy. Now, obviously, the Jets are not going to feel the same way. They're going to have one, two, maybe three guys that they really like. They may not feel the same way that I feel about all the edge rushers. Um, What are your thoughts on Jermaine Johnson? Obviously, he transferred from Georgia to go to FSU. Uh, He says it was all about snap count, not about playing potentially, quote-unquote, lesser competition. Uh, He is, I believe, two years older than Thibodeau. If I believe, if I'm correct, yeah, I'm not three. Okay, um, I don't think it's overly alarming. I'm pretty sure T.J. Watt was the same age coming out as well. Now, granted, he went 31, but I think that's because he had two blown ACLs, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. 
But what do you what are your thoughts on Jermaine Johnson and the Jets possibly taking him at number ten? Or or what are your thoughts on him in general? Like, would you not touch him at ten? Would you want to trade down? What what's your your thought process? Yeah, um, and I see, I see a couple in the chat be talking about you know to relax on Sauce, which again, good thing the reviews are timestamped because I watched review. Said he was a top ten pick then, so the combine did absolutely nothing for me, minus just affirm what I already thought of him. Um, with Jermaine Johnson, I'm I, again. I, I think people are so starved for football, you know, especially Jets fans, because we're getting blown out in end of September, October. We're already looking to the draft, and we're just waiting, 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 waiting. Senior ball comes up, and he dominates. Which to me, like, I am always very hesitant to 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 um, hike guys up because of senior ball at both the end and receiver because the, the quarterbacks are dropping. You're not always going to get five seconds to rush a passer, um, mm-hmm. and you're not always going to have a two way go. You know, good thing for tackles is the NFL. They can they might be able to overset you a little bit if if the slide protection is going in that way, so you can play it differently. When you have a two week go all the time, it's a lot harder for a tackle to win. Receiver, same thing. Quarterback has all the time in the world to throw. It's made for those guys to win. So um, I watched him before the Senior Bowl, and I said I, I think he's like a, a low teens, early twenties guy. Did he test well and all that stuff? Yes. Do I do, would I be thrilled with him at ten? No. Uh, to me, he's and again. People are going to go crazy because he was he was staying at the Senior Bowl. I, I, he's DN five to me. Um, I get the fact that uh, he he dominated Senior Bowl. He's a good character guy. All this stuff, but in terms of his actual film, like I don't know what his calling card is. Um, I know he has good length. Okay, I know he has good burst. Okay, I know he has good tackle radius. But every other guy, like uh, Hutchinson, has the the ridiculous technique power. Carl Loftus again technique power. Walker. Ridiculous athlete, okay. Uh, or uh, Thibodeau, ridiculous athlete with with some good, um, you know, initial moves. He needs to work on his counters a little bit more. To me, Johnson, the way he was winning, it wasn't translatable. A lot of the plays, like a lot of people talk about the play where he he beat the tackle from from Miami. If you watch the actual tape of that play, the tackle couldn't have played worse. So if you're if you're playing a guy who's really really bad and you're not going to see a tackle who's really really bad in the NFL, is that play translatable? Unless you're playing against Connor McDermott every single week, it's not very translatable. So there were some plays in terms of lacking a pass rush plan. Like he's not he's not he's good burst, but he's not he's not overly bendy. He's not overly flexible. He has good burst, not great burst. He he has good length. I'll give I'll give him that. He's a good tackle radius. But in terms of his pass rush plan, a lot of it you watch it. And he 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 doesn't really know what he wants to do uh, pre-snap, and it and it concerns me a little bit. Where he kind of runs up to guys and short strides them, and just waits for that guy to screw up, and then he forces moves. Like there's plenty of times where he should have spun inside, he spun outside. He should have spun outside, he spun inside. Like you know, vice versa. Um, so I'm not in love with him at ten. Uh, I think he's overhyped because of senior ball stuff. Do I think in a trade down? Sure. Um, depending on how the board falls, could he be worth it at ten? Would you know? Would the Jets do it? Maybe they would. I wouldn't be ecstatic though, to be completely honest. Guys, if you're just tuning in, make sure you hit that like button on the way in. I got Joe Blewett from Jets X Factor here going over all the tape and everything that uh, we saw from the Combine this past weekend. So make sure you hit that like button, follow him. His Twitter information is down below in the description. Uh, and Joe, is it possible? Can I get you till like 9.30, 9.45 possibly? Or is that too long? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah we're good. All right, cool, cool, cool. I, I just looked up. I feel like I work on the night shift after this, you know, no sleep. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Do it for you, Ryan. <laughs> Joe's an animal. I love Joe. This is why this is why Joe is always my my first call when I try to get someone on. Um, all right. So before we get into all these super chats on the side, I want to talk about the defensive tackles and I want to talk about the linebackers real quick. So defensive tackle wise, Foley Fatukasi, our team captain, obviously going to be a free agent. 
Sheldon Rankin's possibly going to be cut to save some salary cap space. John Franklin Myers, ideally, you move him back inside with an edge rusher, um, and then you got Quinn and Williams coming back for another two years. He's going. We're obviously going to exercise, as Joe Douglas said, his fifth-year option. Um, what are your thoughts on the defensive tackle class? Uh, I found it absolutely fascinating that Jordan Davis wound up running a four. What was it? A four seven eight? Is that what it wound up being? Jerry four, Rice seven, ran eight, a four, four eight, seven one. one. Jerry Rice ran a four seven one. Yeah, <laughs> that's bananas. Someone at three forty uh, can run that. Didn't he outjump Burks? He was like really close to outjumping Burks. So yeah, absolute. Um, yeah, I think it was thirty-two versus thirty-three, right? I think he, he lost to him by an inch. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> for um, D tackles for me, it's 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 more of a secondary need, and people will say like, mm-hmm. oh, will they have Marshall? Oh, will they have Rankins? Oh, will they they need a true run stuffing nose tackle if Fadokasi leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, Marshall's not that. Q is not that. Even if Rankins says he's not that, you know, obviously Shepard is not that. So. I think, you know, it's it's more of like it's more of like the seventh, eighth, ninth need on the team, you know, mm-hmm. than obviously a top guy. Like I don't think they're gonna bring in Jordan Davis. I think I think Jets fans would absolutely lose their minds. Um and I think he falls in that like like you know, pa- past ten but before thirty five. So I don't think it'll really be, even be an option. And Wyatt too from um Georgia, they both they both that whole that whole freaking defense is just ridiculous. even even Lewis kind dominated that the, the, the combine too. Like they're all a bunch of freaks. Their freaking but... kicker ran the like the fastest <laughs> time for a kicker. Like it's insane. Yeah. The Georgia team was stacked. Yeah, so I think I think it's it's like you're looking for a guy maybe in the fourth, fifth, sixth round who who can run stuff. To me, more more likely than not, it's a guy in free agency. Like uh, who is the the D tackle from um, the Niners who they have experience? I think like maybe it's DJ Jones or something like that. Like there's some guys mm-hmm. out there who are you know those run stuff. Like even if it's like you know a lower tier name, uh, kind of a name to think about who's not even I don't know if he's in the league anymore. I don't think he is, but like one of those like Mike Pennell type players we had a couple of years ago. Like a guy you can get for like a, met, a, a veteran minimum contract who when you're running a bear front you need somebody that's to 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 two gap, you know, the uh, the A gap. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need we need that guy because none of the guys on the team uh, are that, but they need to address D end and linebacker and corner and safety and receiver and guard and tight end before they even running back before they even think about defensive tackles because I know Jets fans will lose their minds. So can you find a, a lower value um, or, or, or a, a kind of like a low value guy in terms of like the cost you to sink into him? D, uh, nose tackle, not D tackle. Uh, yes, I think that's the plan. But Jordan Davis, those guys, while they'll dominate and they'll most likely be on the Bills or the Pats and screw us up for years, um, I don't think they're options for the Jets. And then the final position we saw for day three was the linebacker position. Obviously, N'Kobe Dean did not uh, participate. Another Georgia linebacker. We got to see two of their linebackers perform. They both ran very fast 40s. Uh, Devin Lloyd wound up running in the 4-6-6 range, I believe. Uh, I think N'Kobe Dean missed an opportunity to really set himself aside as the top linebacker in this class because I think he would have beat a four six six, and I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little happy because if he slides a little bit, if the Jets do trade down from ten to like twenty with the Steelers, or maybe they're looking to possibly move up a little bit, I love Nicobe Dean. I just don't know how I find a way to get him without trading down or trading back into the first. What are your thoughts on the linebacker class? And you know, was there anyone that stood out to you? And I guess what do you feel about uh, Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd? The, the whole linebacker class stood out. Like I wrote down a lot of guys. Like Channing uh, Tyndall stood out, forty-two inch mm-hmm. vert, ten-nine broad, four-four-seven. Mumo stood out. Troy Anderson, Christian Harris, four-four-four. 
Uh, Leo Chanel stood out. Like there was, there's plenty of guys who I who I listed who stood out um, as linebackers. Uh, now in terms of Dean, like that review again, everything's timestamped. It's perfect uh, because people are like, dude, you can't believe you didn't mention his combine. I'm like, yeah, in the beginning of the video, I said I record this February 20th. So yeah, I didn't mention the combine, <laughs> but uh, so that's why I did that. But I absolutely love Dean. Like love him. He that that entire review. It's an hour and something long. Um, I am gushing about the guy. Now, do I think he's the 10th overall pick for the Jets with, with, with as many needs as we have? Most likely not. If the Jets only had a few holes and linebacker was one of the biggest ones, I, I think it's much more of a realistic option. Um, a lot of people kind of talk about his size, but in terms of like weight per square inch, he's not, it's not mm-hmm. like he's thin. It, you know, you're looking at 5'11", 225 or whatever he was. It's not like he's skinny and he can't hold up. Now you worry about him being able to just diagnose because of obviously the height of, of offensive linemen. And you worry about his his length in terms of being able to stack guys, sure. Um, but you're also looking at an elite athlete who has elite body control, who has pr- pretty legitimate pass rush moves inside. Like there are some videos I put up uh, you know, on Twitter and on the review of him just absolutely dominating guys with his lateral athleticism in terms of like you know stemming them one way and then you know crossing their face with shortened strides and getting the other way uh, on blitzes. So he's an absolute stud. But I agree with you. I think he's more of a uh, more of a trade down option for the Jets. I like him more than Lloyd, but him and Lloyd are close. Um, Lloyd didn't have the most impressive day. I, I know like in terms of his other numbers, he did, but his, his 40, I think he's faster than his 40 that he showed. Um, and I, I think he could struggle with some numbers because his footwork needs to be cleaned up a little bit. He's a little bit loose with his footwork and he can just condense some things. I think he could be more show more in terms of his numbers. Um, but they're almost like polar opposites where Dean is more of like a stand up guy who you want like versus running backs, but who didn't really prove himself versus tight ends. Who's more of an inside blitzer blitzer because of his athleticism um, versus the interior guys where Lloyd is a guy who like can cover 10 ends is more long, um, not as clean technically as Dean, but in terms of like, and nobody's ever going to be Parsons like that, that like the year he had in his first year, that's just, it's, it's not very replicatable. Let's be honest. But in terms of like guys you can compare to him, Lloyd has legitimate pass rush snaps where he's, he's a D end, a D end stand up to, you know, two point, wherever, wherever you want to call it, outside linebacker email. I don't care. He has legit reps against tackles where he is throwing moves together stacking moves, bending the edge. Like he is a guy who is super versatile, who you could play against a tight end. You could play him against a running back. You can blitz him inside. You can blitz him outside. So he's a chess piece, um, but he's just not as clean to me as Dean is. But, you know, what is your preference? Now, the thing with those two guys is the Jets are more kind of, kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like bland and basic and how they play their linebackers. We're not really going to blitz them on the edge a lot and, and ask them to do a lot of different things. So Dean is probably the better fit in terms of just playing that true like will backer where a team who's a little bit more versatile, like the, the, the Ravens, the Pats are, are better probably fits for Lloyd because they'll use him all over the field. But um, I like the linebacker class at the top and I like the mid round guys. So I think the Jets probably, you know, throw some mid tier money at a free agent, you know, Jayon Brown or Lou O'Connor, one of those guys. And then, you know, third, fourth round, you're looking at guys like Leo Chanel and, and Troy mm-hmm. Anderson, Muma, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's an interesting spot. Guys, if you're just tuning in, make sure you hit that like button on the way in. I got Joe Blewett from Jets X Factor here with me, uh, breaking down the combine. And if you're just tuning in, down below, there is a link to the mock draft contest for the offseason. It's totally free. Whoever winds up winning will get their jersey of choice. It doesn't have to be a Jet jersey. It could be any jersey you'd like. Uh, and, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's pretty easy. It's only the first round, and they make it kind of idiot-proof. Like, you still mm-hmm. get points. 
if you take Nicobe Dean at 10 and, you know, the Jets don't take Nicobe Dean, but he gets taken in the first round, you still get points. If you, you know, trade out and you get the, the, the player right, but the, the team wrong, you get points. There's a whole bunch of ways to, to kind of maneuver it. So it's kind of fun. It's a good way to, to just have a little fun throughout the course of the uh, off season. All right, let's jump into a few super chats before we get into the final day of the combine. Uh, Shivanshu drops in with a super chat, says, is DJ Chalk now a wide receiver the Jets should target? Joe, I will pass that question to you first. Um, <clears throat> not initially. Like, again, I want I want more of the, the Coopers. Uh, I think Brandon Cook's a, a, a guy just because he's been switching teams, but consistently been a, you know, a reliable 1,000-yard receiver for whatever team he went to. It was more of a low tier one than just might be able to trade, you know, a later round pick for depending. I don't really know why the Texans are trying to get rid of him, but nonetheless, um, you know, the Godwin, if he's not tagged, like I want that, that true number one guy. But again, like if you go into the draft and you're not able, you're not able to land one of those number one guys because it's not how it always works out. If, if your receiver group is, you know, uh, DJ Shark, um, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and then let's say it is, you know, I, I don't know, whoever in the third round, Pickens or whoever people like Dubs or, you know, whatever. Um, I think that's a passable group, but uh, I think it's more of like a backup option for the for the Jets. I don't want to go into the draft with nobody. So, you know, those second tier guys, the DJ Shark, the the um, Christian Kirks, I think are options. But, you know, week two, three of free agency after if they strike out, which hopefully they don't on some of the top guys. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'd like to look at a few other targets before we get to to DJ at this point. Uh, Jettison drops in with the Super Chat. Jettison says, if we draft Sauce at four, don't we have to change up the D? Having a corner only cover one side of the field as we do now wastes a shutdown corner. Um, I don't I don't see that as an issue. Like, I can, if you... I don't know. I, I think our cornerbacks can move around, and I do think that while the 49ers stereotypically, not even just the 49ers, but the, the Seahawks did this as well with, with Richard Sherman, he played one side of the field, and the best wide receiver could go to the other side of the field, and then all of a sudden, you know, Richard Sherman, your best cornerback, is not covering that wide receiver one. I don't see sauce like that. I'm pretty sure you could just cover, you just stick him on the number one receiver, let him go wherever, and then, you know, I mean, unless you have a ton of faith in Bryce Hall and you want to keep them one-on-one -on, -one on each side, but I think if you're taking Sauce Gardner, it would be silly not to let him shadow the number one wide receiver. Um, what are your thoughts on Jettison's comment here? Um, yeah, and it, it, initially they didn't move guys, but they started to later in the year. Um, not not always, but I think if you, if you do have a guy like a lockdown number one type guy, hopefully that, that Sauce mm -hmm. Gardner is – um, you're, they're going to, they're going to move him. Um, or you'd assume they, they could. And people, like people assume too, like the Jets only played zone. I think the Jets played man, like almost like 40 something percent of the time. So like just because the team is a zone team, just because the team is a man team doesn't mean they're always doing that. So, mm -hmm. um, I think they'll be, you know, versatile enough with him. And I think sauce Gardner is a guy who can play in off. He can play in press. He can play in cover three, four, five, seven, whatever it is. Um, one that, that, he does not need to be locked into a role. It's not like you have like a Richard Sherman and people like comparing Richard Sherman. He's much more of an athlete than Richard Sherman is. And Richard Sherman was like strictly a cover three guy off guy. Mm -hmm. Sauce Gardner is just as comfortable, if not more com comfortable in, in man coverage. So oh, he's yeah. not a guy you need to just, to just put him on one side of the field. If you want to, you know, sure. 
um, depending on the, on the matchup. You know, maybe if you have a team who like likes to run certain concepts to the field side and you think he's good enough diagnosing that that field side, okay, you're keeping on the field side that entire game. Um, if you if they always go do this concept to the right, okay, go him to put him to the right. But he he could do whatever you need him to do. So um, again, his his film showed that he was a top ten guy, and I think him running what was like a four four seven at his size with his arm length. Mm-hmm. I think he 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 planted himself at a top ten pick. I to be completely honest, <clears throat> I severely doubt he gets to the Jets um, at ten. So I think if you want sauce, it's him at four. And then that's the, that's the question is okay. You know how do you feel about Thibodeau? How do you feel about the edge rushers? Because the, the drop off minus Hutchinson, let's say from Thibodeau to Walker to however you feel about Johnson to Carlothis is a lot is a lot lesser than the drop off between Sauce Gardner. And I, w- I would say my corner two is, is McDuffie, McDuffie, but he just came in with 29-inch arms, which is yeah. concerning. Um, or Stingley, how do you feel about his injury problems? So looking at a major gap, so the Jets risk it at four and say, okay, hey, hey, this is our number one guy, which the Jets don't value that, which I think is complete bullshit because how do you, in what system do you not value a corner? Um, nobody can tell me. And then do you risk, okay, Carl Loftus, whoever, at, at 10, which I think is might be, again, my preference right now, but it depends on how Thibodeau kind of interviews and that stuff because – you can't risk not getting a D end. So if, if Thibodeau is worth it, is worth it, you probably grab him. But uh, I don't know if that was a question, but I just, let's no, just that, <laughs> no, that's spot on. I mean, look, I, I'm, we, we talked about this yesterday. <laughs> Joe and I were watching the, the combine and we're, 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 we're texting back and forth. I was like, dude, I'm, I really like sauce. I think we would take sauce at four. You know, I know I want sauce at 10, but I don't think he's going to make it to us. I think he goes to the, to the Falcons at eight or possibly even the giants. If they move Bradbury, like, there's a whole lot of issues that could wind up happening. I think you're right. I think you got to take sauce at four, and I'm all about going edge rusher at ten with whoever falls. I, I think you trust Carl Lawson to to, to recover. I, I guess my question to you, real quick, is if in the situation where Zadarius Smith winds up coming over from the Packers, would you still consider edge in the top ten? I I think I would, um, and I would probably be more comfortable playing the trigger on sauce at four in that situation. Um, just cause you don't really know what Lawson's going to be and you don't know what the back injury is going to be with, with Zadarius Smith. Um, would, would signing Smith change how you feel about the top 10 at all or no? No, it becomes like a little bit of a crowded room. Like, you know, the whole like Leonard Williams, Quentin Williams type situation and our Sheldon Wilkerson, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, are you not going to take a guy um, at probably, you know, the second hardest position to find in the NFL because you signed a guy for a short a short term deal. Like we haven't had that. We haven't had that, like that that true like you know stud DN since Abraham. We've been talking about that for twenty years now. Um, mm-hmm. So if Sedarius Smith, a guy who's going to plug a hole for for maybe two years, now we're not going to take a guy who falls to ten. When's your next chance? You're going to have a, a DN group this this deeper. You can get a legitimate stud um, at ten. So it wouldn't it wouldn't turn me off to it. Would I be a little bit more hesitant because where do you where do you fit him? You know, yes, because then you like who was on the bench. You have Carl Lawson, you have Smith, you have Q, you have JFM. Are we going to run a five man front, just bare front all the time? Like, what 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 are we doing there? So it, it'll be hard to fit, but I don't think you can just pass on a DN when they're so damn hard to find. Guys, if you're just dropping in, make sure you hit that like button. What I'm going to do is if we get over 300 likes, we got 453 people in here right now. If we can get over 300 likes, every 25 likes that we get up to that point, We'll pick a qualifier for our T-shirt giveaway for tomorrow. Uh, so normally I don't do this, but we're going to do it on the Monday show. So make sure you hit that like button. Uh, all right, let's get into some more Super Chats. We got Shivanshu coming in saying, Ask Joe about all the bad names he calls Neil. 
Go for it. Let's hear it. Uh, not they're not friendly for for this show. Uh, it's, That's it's usually just when, when I've fine. Had, like, I, I don't care. I want to hear them all. When I've when I've had a couple of drinks, it usually comes out. But I I like so the thing that's good about um and like people call me a bullshit if they want. The good thing is like I, I do the, the the film breakdowns for hours. You can watch disagree mm-hmm. with me if you want. And then the streams, I'll pull up plays. And somebody specifically asked me about Neil, and I think I put up a plan. I, I think I called him a bitch. So uh, <laughs> I'm just not about it, dude. His it, and again, if you go, if you go on Twitter, uh, me and O'Leary are kind of just not like a back and forth, but he you know mm-hmm. we just had a conversation about Neil. Jorby31, don't follow me. I'm not asking for follows. Look at some of my most recent clips. I put up like, I think probably 15 plays of Neil just playing terribly in three, four games. So I'm not about Neil in the top 10. Um, uh, to be honest, if Neil was coming out in the Becton class, he's easily, like very, very easily my OT5. I think he has good size. I think he has good length. I think he's good in pass sets. I think he has good explosion. In the run game, he's a liability at times. Um, so yeah, I, I believe, I believe I called him a bitch. So if it, because of super chat, I'll answer it. So I appreciate the super chat for Ryan, but, uh, thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. RJ McPot drops in the super chat says my two favorite jet YouTubers. Love you guys. Ah, RJ McPot. Thank you. I love you. Awesome. Uh, he says, do you believe this draft is more likely a below average draft like 2013 or more likely the best in recent memory, 2014, 2017? Um, I, I don't know. I guess the 2013 one, you 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 see like D Milliner and you think Derek Stingley, and you, you kind of like start plugging pieces in, uh, and then the, you think about the quarterback class. The the only quarterback that went in the first round that year was EJ Manuel. I think he went at like 15, 16, something like that. And then Geno Smith winds up leaving the draft the first night uh, of the draft, and then he has to come back for the second night wearing the same suit because he didn't pack a second suit. Uh, Jets take him in the second round. It's it's a whole whole thing. Yeah, that 2013 draft was not very good. And clearly, you know, obviously we have the two first-round picks and, and you're going into that. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't break down enough tape or knowledge on players in the 2013 draft to know just how well this compares to it. Um, yeah. But I would say I definitely think this is the weakest quarterback class since at least the... Uh, probably Game since then. Yeah, well, I was going to say Daniel Jones, but Kyler Murray wound up going one overall, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, true, true, It's, it's, it's kind of hard, to, but but I agree with you. I would say the quarterback yeah. class, aside from Kyler Murray, feels very mm-hmm. much like the Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins draft. Um, it's the Geno so Manual draft, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, is would you compare it closer maybe to the 2013 draft, or, or what are your thoughts on this draft class as a whole? Because it feels pretty deep. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 more deep than top heavy. I think we've 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 heard that enough. I th- I think some guys are kind of changing that narrative a little bit though. Like again, and we can have our qualms about Walker's pass rush moves all day, which is fine. Um, but you're talking about an elite athlete. You're seeing Sauce Gardner, who somebody in the chat says he's gonna get burned. I I he runs a four four seven at at you know six three six with three. massive arms. Who has really good movement skills? Why is he gonna get burned? Like, is Bryce Hall getting burned? Did Richard Sherman, who had a lower, like, probably like a four six, did he get burned? So, like, just because he runs a four four seven and not a four three, he's gonna get burned. Like, if you're if you're if you're matching a guy in a seven, getting hands on, he's not gonna burn you. Um, so let's just not just assume he's gonna get burned because of a, a four four seven, which is good for his size. Um, so there are some guys who are kind of changing that narrative a little bit, but no, I don't think. Oh, four four one. Cadoza said he he ran a four four one. Okay, I thought I thought it was a four four seven. Maybe that's unofficial. So four four one, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's plenty fast. Even if it was a four four seven, I wouldn't be turned off. But it's it's not as top heavy. I think it's more of an average draft, to be completely honest. I think people tend to hype guys up. Again, you know, the problem is YouTube pilots, you know, like 
It's not a problem, yeah. but if that's the only thing you rely on, it's a problem. If the numbers are the only thing you rely on, it's a problem because you can make a Traylon Burks video that's five minutes long and, and look great. But then are you seeing the plays where he's dipping out of crack blocks? No, you're not really seeing that. You know, look at a guy who people hyped up years ago. I always bring up his name. It wasn't Jalen Marshall. It was the other guy from, I think it was Wake Forest, uh, Greg Greg Dorch. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. I turned it on like, this guy is ass so so bad and then he turned up being cut like you can't you cannot rely on highlights so people tend to just because the draft is here hype up players more than they deserve so people are going to say that it is a great draft it's it's not um but it's plenty deep like i think the jets trading down or depending on what happens but like I'm, I'm happy they have plenty of picks in the second through fourth round because i think that's where the meat of this draft really is so average but but average because of the top but but deep so it's fine especially with a lot of picks Jared drops in with a super chat. Jared says, are you concerned with Walker's edge rushing capability since he's not a pure pass rusher? Um, I would say I was concerned because he, he played defensive tackle. That's what he was listed as when I initially looked yeah. at him. But I would say after watching his tape and watching, you know, the, the way he moved and the metrics he put up, I would say I'm less concerned. But uh, I want to hear from you, Joe. How do you feel? Uh. Yeah, and maybe we should do like a show before the like the, before the thing and just like start pulling up plays and, and stuff like that. We really should. Um, <laughs> I kind of wanted to do that. Actually, be, be, is there any option on your side to share a screen or no? I don't know if there. I don't think there would be uh, for this. Yeah, um, I might yeah there is. Different. Oh, interesting. Which we can fit, we can figure that out in the future. Um, we'll, or we'll, we'll do it on the next stream. <laughs> Because there, well, there's a we'll play the that condense it. Because like on my streams, I'll have like three hours, and I'll just share my entire screen and just go through all of my stuff, which I could do right now. It's, yeah. That's that's completely fine. Um, but um, with that being said, like, so the question is, concerned with Walker's a pure pass rusher. Like the only the only difference between him and a pure pass rusher on the outside is because like yeah, he was used inside, but. I'm going to say 85 to 90% of the reps I watched were at D-end. Now, again, did I want to see him more at 7-9 wide to really take advantage of tackle sets and isolate stuff like that? Um, sure, but it's not like he is not a pure – if you're talking about pure in terms of technically-wise, okay, you know, fine, but Thibodeau also has plenty of role in that incident. So if you were going to be – if you were high on Thibodeau a while ago – because of his highlights, whatever he did, then you can't not be high on Walker. And I'm not saying that Thibodeau, Thibodeau has more removes than Walker easily, but in terms of freak, RAS, all that stuff, Walker is more of a freak than Thibodeau. Thibodeau has more burst than he does easily mm-hmm. um, and and more bend, but 272, all the numbers he put up, like the guy's an absolute savage. So um, I'm not overly concerned about it because he wasn't bad enough with his technique that I don't think he will translate. I really think watching him that – because he's almost raw in that aspect and he wasn't used as a seven and nine that he can only grow from where he is. So I, I legitimately think his best football is ahead of him and he's, he's um, raw, but, but ascending. So guys, I'm live with jets X factor analyst, Joe blew it. Dude is the best at breaking down film. If there's ever some ever a time I have to look at a player and figure out if this guy is good or bad, I'm going to Joe's breakdowns, the blue it's blitz. Uh, so make sure you check him out. He's a great follow on Twitter. His links are in the description down below. So make sure you hit him up down there. Uh, for those of you guys who just jumping in, make sure you hit that like button. And if you're interested in doing the first round mock draft, whoever winds up winning, and it's really a crapshoot. The last few times I've did it, I've, or I've done it, the first year I actually wound up winning it myself by accident. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. But the last few years, we get like people all over the the spectrum. So it's a lot of... A lot of fun to do. You don't need a whole lot of uh, knowledge to do it. It's pretty 
pretty easy. But it's down below in the description if you feel so inclined to, to join it. It's totally free, and you win a jersey of whatever team you follow, whether it be the Jets or, or some other team. Um, all right. RJ McPop drops in with another Super Chat, says, If you believe it's the latter, 2014-2017 draft class, how do you feel mortgaging a 2023 pick to bolster this draft? Um, I don't want to trade future picks right now because of the state of the Jets. I would prefer us to, if we're trading down, get picks for next year. Um, we have nine picks this year. We have a ton of players under contract. We have a ton of money in cap space. I think it's smarter to push some assets into the future than it is to to load up on an extra player this year when we're already pig rich in uh, players and, and draft picks and everything like that. Um, so, Joe, what would your thoughts be on mortgaging a 2023 pick to to bulk up this roster? Um, I guess mm. I should say maybe I would consider doing it, but it wouldn't be like a first or a second round pick that I would consider giving up. It would be like, you know, if you want to give up a conditional third round pick to go back up into the first, that then maybe that's something I would consider. But what are your thoughts on giving away a 2023 pick? It's it's like it's it's again, the fence thing like on the fence, like it depends like right like okay so if we th if if we're sitting there and we don't really address let's, let's say that there's no really guards who we hit in free agency and it's ldt who comes back and like you're you're comfortable with him as like a placeholder but you're not like thrilled with him and you're sitting at 35 and zion johnson's there at 29 and they're in love with him and they want to trade you know a, a next year's fifth round pick or a fourth round pick to 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 go up and get him fine but it all depends on who falls like you're not going to just trade up to trade up um, that's obviously why people don't do it pre-draft. It's like, you know what? Screw it. We're trading up from 35 to 28 now, you know, it gets, unless obviously it's at the top of the draft, Sam Darnold, that type of stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, it all depends on how, how the, how the board falls and how the Jets, you know, feel about guys. And obviously we're not in the meeting rooms and we don't know how the board is going to fall because it's, you know, almost two months away. So, um, it's a cop out answer, but it's really the only way you can answer it. That is okay. I do not mind having a cop out <laughs> answer here. Uh, Richard Delgado drops in with a super chat. What's up, Dick? Uh, he says here, sorry, Richard and I go back and forth oh, okay, every yeah. week. I, I literally call this guy a dick every time because he says something stupid that I, I get fired up about. I was looking um, down for a second. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. I, I can't believe yeah. you just said that. No, this I'm happened curious. again on our, on our last stream that we were on again, so I get it. <laughs> he says, here's a scenario. The Jets never, file, uh, never fired Adam Gase. Who do they draft? Oh, man. If they, okay, this is, a, this is an interesting situation. If they never oh fired God. Adam Gase, who would they go with? Um, who's the oldest player in college that reminds you of Frank Gore? That's probably who you wind up going with. I have no uh, idea. I don't know who Adam Gase would want. <laughs> the guy does. I don't think he understands football. I don't know. Do you have any um, answer to this one? It, it'd be like it would be like it would be like the worst case scenario for me. Like like Neil at four, and Burks at ten or something like that would be like one of my worst case scenarios. Again, I know I know people love Burks. Um, I've showed plenty on my on my on my channel. Like he's Let's not at 10. So, yeah, Neil at four, like maybe like a Stingley at 10, depending on his medicals. Burks. That's a good way to go about this. Let's, let's say, let's, what's our least favorite possible potential situation? And I think Stingley at 10 is, or Stingley at four or 10, either one is, is absolutely a, a no go for me. Yeah, our, our top to... realistic potential. <laughs> yeah, uh... Right? Like, well, because we might take a corner. So, like, I could see, you know, yeah. people thinking Stingley. I, I, it's as weird as it sounds, like, 
would it be would it be a Linderbaum at 10? Would that be like so egregious of a of like a a pull or I mean, look, you're going to have him with your quarterback, so it's not really like that bad. No. No, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I would say Neil at 4 and then probably yeah, Stingley at 10, right? Yeah, the thing with like Stingley too is such an interesting conversation because his his freshman year, like I I I broke down two or three games of that and then his last his last year, um you have the injuries as a part of it. His freshman year, he was absolutely dominant like he is an elite athlete um but his technique changed from freshman year to, to junior year and it almost looked like he was like willing to give the underneath and he just wanted to play guys over the top to not get burned um where in his rookie year or his freshman year like he was he was matching guys he wasn't like getting beat on slants it almost looked like he got like kind of disinterested on plays like hey just beat me short i don't care i'll play i'll play deep which again am i in the lsu db staff's head or the defense coordinator no maybe that's what they were asking of him which would be really odd um, but he dropped off not only because of injuries, but because of play as well. So a guy who were drafted because of what he did three years ago, a little bit sketchy, you know, at 10 talking trade down. Okay. You know, conversation, but yeah, that's, you know, I would, I would say like a Stingley at 10 or like one of the receivers at 10 is, is my worst case scenario, depending on how free agency hits like, okay, now if we're talking about the jets don't get a free agent, like I really want them to do or a trade partner is a receiver at 10, the worst case scenario in the world depends on who it is for me. Um, depends on how London and his what fractured ankle heals. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on how you feel if about he Garrett runs Wilson, like a four or five at his pro day, that yeah. would be something special, I think. Yeah, London, London, London is my number one, um, pretty easily. Um, and mm-hmm. I, Wilson, Wilson has like he has. Don't misconstrue this. He has Odell Beckham like elite movement skills, like body control, but and his route running vertically, like his 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 stemming vertically, is really really good. But in terms of like getting off a of press consistency, in terms of his stop step, break steps, again, go to the stream for that or go to, go to the reviews for that. That's I'm not going to go over all that shit here. Um, he's very inconsistent as a route runner. But Wilson's ceiling is very, very high because of his body control, because of his ability to go above the rim um, and his route running capability, not not ability right now. I, I, I guess that's a different thing. Um, but his potential, let's just say, in terms of route running. But Drake London, like people just think, oh, he's just a contested catch guy. Bullshit. It's bullshit because he, his his route running is good right now. He's not going to separate. doesn't have the lateral mobility that some of those other guys have. But his route running is good. His releases, his, the amount of releases he has and how he sets them up are good. His hands a little bit sketchy sometimes. But you're looking at a guy who's like 6'3", 6'4", um, who could uh, make contested catches, who could run routes, who is one of the most – kind of like like tough yak guys out there like there's plays of oh well, he's long legged he can't he can't get yak i have plays of him breaking five six tackles on a play so what are we talking about you know like so um london's my one but how is his anchor his, his ankle feeling so um again we're going in a really weird direction so <laughs> all right we're gonna we're gonna rapid fire because we gotta we gotta get through some some stuff before we get to the the day four of the combine uh brian brian newell thank you so much for the super chat uh yeah. no comment attached to it but i thank you all the same Edward Ziff drops in with a super chat, says, what edge is most like Klecko? Joe, anyone like Klecko in this draft? Oh, my God. Like that, one, I didn't <laughs> if, like if there was, he's enough, one overall, like, no. right? Like, he's got, he's future Hall of Famer, eventually. Okay, just like, to, like uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, you have, you have Hutchinson, who's a little bit taller than him, right? But not as, not as thick. Like, in terms of, like, body composition, it's probably Walker, in terms of being an absolute freak. But Klecko was obviously an amazing technician with all the with all the stats he got. So literally, no matter who I say, people are gonna be mad. So let's just say a, a combination of Walker, the biggest freak, and Hutchinson, the best technician in the draft. Boom! That's that's Joe Klecko. 
There you go. Daniel Faust, thank you so much for the, or Faust, 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 Faust. I don't know. I'm bad at spelling and pronouncing things. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. It says, please, Sauce and Linderbaum, generational team, four and 10, wake up, I'm right. Uh, I, if you, if they deem Zadarius Smith healthy enough to not worry about the back and they wanted to pass on edge, I wouldn't advise it, but I could understand it. Um, but I still don't think Linderbaum at 10 is a smart move. If you trade down and you want to take him, you know, I still think there's bigger needs, but, um, yeah, I love sauce. Uh, Joe, where would you take Linderbaum? I guess that, that would probably be a pretty decent question for you. Um, yeah, like, so if the Jets didn't have a center, I would be willing to take him at 10. Mm-hmm. The, obviously, depending on how the board fell, like, there's plenty of guys I like over him. Like, right now, on my my big board for the Jets, the guys I watched, he's 12th. So there's 11 guys I'd rather have over him. Um, so I would say in a trade down. But again, the problem with drafting him is you're displacing, you're displacing um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, McGovern. So how comfortable is McGovern going to guard? Obviously, depending on what happens in free agency. So it's kind of like a two-pronged problem with him. And then with that being said, like, the Jets, no team who's zone, inside zone, outside zone, mid zone, whatever it is, are just going to run zone. And I don't know how well he holds up on power plays, on on gap plays, on counters, on you know whatever the play may be. So um, I think he's a little bit overhyped. In ter- and, and it's really – and it's not because of his technique. His technique is is very, very, very clean. Mm-hmm. But he's very light, like, like light in the pants. Like mm-hmm. him against a, a nose tackle in the NFL, D-tackle – there's there's some times where he's getting bullied a little bit in terms of his like just just anchoring down versus guys in the SEC whatever it may be. Now you have to go against guys like you know Ed Oliver or uh, Quentin Williams in practice or some of these guys out there. Jordan Davis when he gets drafted, 340 pound guys. So I think like a, a late teens type guy would just sort of trade down. Um, but at ten, I'm not I'm not comfortable with uh, with Linderbaum. Uh, AZ Jets drops in and says, my heart tells me Jermaine Johnson at four, Burks at 10, wide receiver room, fire. Uh, I know Joe doesn't love Jermaine Johnson. That's the Adam Gase draft. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) That's that's the Adam Gase draft for Joe. Look, I like Jermaine Johnson. Um, I I will err on the side of Joe. So at four, probably a little too rich. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Burks, I've I've said I, I would prefer not to take Burks at 10 if he's there at the end of the first top of the second I have no problem with it but I I think based on his combine and where the Jets needs are right now I think it'd be a misallocation of resources Joe what are your thoughts yeah Johnson's my DN5 so unless unless it goes Thibodeau Hutchinson Walker then JJ at four like you know like he's he's literally DN5 um and pretty comfortably for me DN5 uh again I paper and watch senior bowl highlights great but what he did at FSU I wasn't I wasn't thrilled um, and then Burks at 10, mm. even before the combine, like, which again, the, it's not the 40 time. It's the other stuff that, that wasn't good. Mm. His lack of effort, his, his lack of like caring when he's not the first read. Um, the fact that, you know, again, you'll see the highlight plays, but I'll, I can, I can show you almost for every other highlight, a play where he's giving up running out of bounds early, um, very limited route tree. He was schemed open. So he has a lot to learn in terms of route running. And we're just going to assume because he's big and he, he broke some tackles, he's going to be Debo. Like Debo, Debo is a mindset type of thing too. And I don't know if he has that mindset. And, and Debo, and, and I don't really see Burks run between the tackles. Uh, Debo, if you put him at running back like last year and you gave him 300, 400 snaps, I think he's legit like a thousand plus yard running back. I did not see that Burks in terms of his vision. Um, I think it's more about being big and powerful and being pretty fast. I got him yak in terms of like him setting himself up really well. 
Um, so yeah, to me, Burks is is definitely the most overrated receiver in in the draft. Um, at least the, the guys I watched, I'd much rather have London or Wilson over him. And I'm not even really a Wilson guy either. Was on the hype he's getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Burks at ten would be pretty much worst case scenario for me. Uh, Iowan Jets fan. For those of you guys that join the membership tier, for every month that you're a member, you get one free comment. It's great. <laughs> In the live stream. I just learned that this was a thing. I didn't realize this was a thing, so I apologize for anyone who did it earlier. Uh, Iowan Jets fan says, Thibodeau will fall to four, trade uh, to the 20s, take Dean. So I guess he's saying take Thibodeau at four and then take Dean in the 20s. Look, I, if if Joe Douglas takes Thibodeau at four, I trust that they've done their research. I really do like Joe Douglas's scouting department, and I think he knows his stuff. Um, I wouldn't do it personally. But I do love trading down and taking Dean in the twenties. What are your thoughts on this, real quick? Yeah, it, uh, yeah. So, so basically, is McDuffie there? Is Sauce there? Okay, no, they're not there. Trade down to take Dean. Uh, Dean in the twenties is a slam dunk. He's he's very very high for me. Seventh overall, the guys I watched. Um, that's considering positional value. So I really like Dean. Just in the situation, the Jets are. I don't think they can take him at ten. But at, tw- at in the twenties, hundred percent, I think he's a slam dunk. Uh, Jake drops in with a super chat. Jake says. What was Sauce supposed to run? I feel like he did what I expected. Now he's number four or bust. I would say uh, the thought process for him, since he's six foot three, they were hoping that he would run a sub four five, and him running a four four one was definitely it. Just checked a box. It wasn't you know some insanely elite speed, but it was definitely mm-hmm. above average. It's a good time. Uh, especially at that speed and length. I love it. I would take him at four, no questions asked. I think you, with that number four pick, when you take Thibodeau, if you take Thibodeau, you are telling the rest of your team, this is what we value in our players. If you take Sauce, you're getting a guy, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, the guy is legitimately dialed in all the time. Like, he 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 enjoys the fans. He stayed after the combine to sign autographs. He's, for me... I like Sauce's personality, and he's the ideal image of what I want this Jets roster being going forward, and I think that's a statement pick at four. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So um, to be quick, I know we have a lot of Super Chats to get to, which we pre- I appreciate that for Ryan. Um, four four one, look fluid, 6'3", 33-inch arms. It's not, it, again, like it depends on where you were on him. If you were a guy who didn't watch him, you had him at 30 or 25 or 20, and now he's a top 10 pick, that's your problem because you didn't watch him. But he just affirmed what he did on tape. So I, I thought he was a top 10 pick before this. I think he's a top 10 pick now. But I think he confirmed some of those numbers. Um, and, and he's most likely a top 6, 7, 8 pick, if not 4 to the Jets. So And you talk about like his mentality and stuff. He matches that on film, too. Like he He's a baller. He loves football. You see it every single rep. He's, there's no quitting that guy. So um, you want that guy in your locker room. Jose Cornell drops in the Super Chat, says, Just take, or just take, just take, has many Georgia players just take as many georgia players players oh god damn i should have i should have read that for that hurt um sorry Mm. that was only it was one letter too just take as many georgia players as possible in this draft look they've said it about alabama players for the longest time the georgia players the strongest georgia draft i've ever seen like this is absolutely alabama-esque um, oh, I would have no problem. I don't. I don't know a draft I can think of. We have Davis, Wyatt, Dean, Walker, Lewis, Kind. Uh, you know, tr- like like there's so many guys. It's it's out of mm-hmm. it's out of control. So 
yeah, sure. Could I see the Jets ending up with like three guys? You know, maybe, maybe you get a, uh, the, the safety in the second round. Maybe you get Walker. Maybe you do trade down, like I said, and your first three freaking picks are Georgia players. Like they deserve it. Do I think it's, you know, why I put my money on it? No, I'll take the field, but still, yeah, it's a ridiculous draft. Shavansu drops in with a super chat says, if we go defensive heavy in the draft, I am worried free agency won't be enough to surround Zach with talent with all the tags and lack of top wide receiver and offensive line talent. Um, hmm. Put it this way. We are not going to go defensive heavy if we haven't helped surround Zach with talent. Um, I do think that our top two picks will wind up being defensive because I believe we solve offensive line in free agency, at least mostly. Then wide receiver wise, you go into the second round, you take, if you take Chris, if you go into the, let's say you go into free agency and you, you get Lake and Tomlinson, you get Jensen or Bozeman, you solve your offensive line. You don't have to worry about that. Now you bring in, uh, I don't know, uh, Marcus Williams or, or something like that. Then you go sauce Gardner at four, you go the edge rusher at 10, you go Watson at 35 and you go, uh, McBride at 38. Now all of a sudden you've added the tight end. You've added the wide receiver to help Zach Wilson without doing anything crazy. Um, so I think you could definitely do this. Uh, Joe, any concern with the jets, not addressing the offensive side of the ball based on the, you know, perceived lack of depth at the wide receiver offensive line in the in free agency. Um, yeah, no. So I, I agree with you. Like it's I, that's why I want to go offense in in, mm-hmm. in free agency. I think that you have Lake and Tomlinson, you have James Daniels. Like you have some guys who who are plus starters, and that's why Joe Douglas needs to needs to pony up. And a lot of people talk about like, oh, Joe Douglas is is a cheap guy. I think last year they were third and third or fourth in guaranteed money in free agency. So so where is he frugal? You know, they they got injured. That's it's unfortunate. But I, I just with some like leaks and things you're hearing about the Jets. It seems like they're going to to uh be aggressive in adding guys in free agency whether that be i, I think it's really gonna come at safety and then playmakers for for zach so um i think they will really explore the coopers or the cooks but like like, like i said like they're not able to land a tomlinson or daniels or whoever the quantum sitting there for he's gonna be the pick so mm. i i prefer them to hit free agency hard with 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 offense because you want to play to the draft strength with which was which is defensive heavy um at the top they're not going to not surround zach like worst case scenario you know, okay, Walkers, let's just say whatever, they're, they're sixth player, and you know, Drake London's their 11th, but we're going to help out Zach at, at 10, so we'll take him. But obviously you want to, uh, to help him out with free agency first. You don't have to do that. Uh, the NY Bully drops in with a super chat. He says, not being funny, but I believe Thibodeau is on the spectrum based on his inability to read social cues. Does Trevon Walker make sense at 10 if he's there? Is he a system fit? I think that's completely ridiculous to try and uh, – say that but i do think that thibodeau needs to be more self-aware i think he doesn't understand that certain things he says and does definitely comes off the wrong way because he i think he seems like he believes that he is some really savvy guy and some he's smarter than everyone else in the room and i think he's gonna hurt his draft stock if he falls from say like the third or fourth pick down to the seventh or eighth pick that's like half a million dollars you just cost yourself dude like i'm sorry but that is just not a smart move um Trevon yeah. Walker absolutely makes sense at 10 I don't know if he's gonna make it to 10 that's really my biggest issue Joe your thoughts yeah Walker I would again sign the dotted line frame right now because that means that either at at four you're either getting sauce most likely or Aquano and I would sign up for you one of those guys too so I would I think Walker at 10 is an absolute slam dunk I don't think he falls there um mm-hmm. he's a system fit he could play the end he could play inside if anything he, he fits any system because he can do whatever he want four three end three four end 
he's not an outside linebacker, but there's nothing you can't do with him. Um, so he's definitely a fit. And the first part of that, like the, really the thing it comes down to is there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And to me, he's super, he's, he's, he's really cocky dude. Like sauce Gardner, McDuffie's, those guys of the world are confident, but I, they seem humble at the same time in interviews. So I'm mm-hmm. curious about how he meshes with guys, what he treats the jets like in free agency, how he treats his career and et cetera. If, if, you know, it, it goes downhill or he has a couple of bad weeks, I'm, I'm concerned, but again, it's for JD to, to, to kind of uh, sift out. Uh, Aaron Goddard. Thank you so much for the super chat, brother. Much appreciated. I don't see a comment attached to it. I'm just scrolling through the chat just to make sure I did not miss it. Um, I'm trying to find the NY bully he had up. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Uh, Celebrates 14 months of membership, so thank you so much. He gets a, a free super chat. Says Ryan Joe, did you get all? Uh, did you get a chance to check out Isaiah Likely at tight end? He reminds me of a smaller Darren Waller. Would you draft him at pick 69 if we can't get McBride before then? Uh, I I did like what I saw out of him. Um, yeah, look, the Jets need a tight end. I don't care where you take him, but I would definitely take at least one in this draft. Um, if it's the third round, it wouldn't shock me if this guy went like end of the second. But yeah, I'd take him. Joe, what about you? Uh, yeah, so like I, I, from what I've heard, he's a really good receiving threat and a guy who's not the best blocker, but a willing blocker. And I'd rather have a guy who's willing and is not the most technically refined than a guy who 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 just can't block because he's soft, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think he can work on it, but you do want a guy with, in the Jet system who can block. So that's a massive question. If 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 so, if he can work on it, sure. If not, then then no, because you don't want to take a guy who's not a system fit, you know, a la the Mike Isecki's, of of the world the Gerald Everett's of the world you know you need a guy who who can at least be a threat to block in the system uh we got Mark Orlando coming in with the super chat says Drake London is six foot four with a 77 inch wingspan I think that's separation enough to start he can 540 dunk a basketball uh he can learn the rest yeah look Drake London was a basketball player or is a basketball player um and he's got elite size like that. Like this guy is absolutely awesome and absolutely worth the number 10 pick, um, especially if he winds up putting together like a four five 40 or something along those lines at that size. Um, I wouldn't hate the Jets doing it at 10, but I don't love the idea of of going receiver because there might be a growth period and we kind of got to figure out what Zach is in the next two years. And I don't want to have to potentially wait a little bit for him to develop. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on London? I know you said he was your wide receiver one. Yeah, the thing about it is, like, he can learn the rest. There's not really a lot for him to learn. Like, the the, the thing, like, obviously there is. But in terms of, like, releases and route running, he's the best in terms of knowing how to throw his body over a stop and break steps and 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 how and how to how to stem guys and um, how to shorten his stride and route pacing. Like, he he's already a nuanced route runner, um, so he doesn't have a lot to learn. The, the problem with him that people have is, okay, he doesn't have the best separation ability because of his lateral agility and top-end speed. Fine, but if he's a good route runner, he's going to create some separation. And mm-hmm. if he's as big as he is, you know, 6'3", 6'4", with the wingspan he has, is he going to burn guys deep? No, but if he if he stems himself correctly and gives himself some room to the sideline, throw it to his back shoulders, he's going to catch the ball. Like, you, you win in different ways. You know, Mike Evans doesn't burn guys, and we like Mike Evans. So mm-hmm. guys win in different ways. You don't just have to be a burner, burner to, to win. So... Yeah, the learn the rest thing. He's he's the he's the most polished guy out of all of these guys uh, in the draft right now. So um, kind of want to just push back against that a little bit. I'm not, I'm not sure if Mark means it like that, but um, he's already. I just want to make it clear that he's already pretty polished. 
Shavansu drops in with a super chat, says, Robinson scares me. It feels like he is declining. I would say it, there there is a concern with that for sure, but you also got to look at the quarterback situation. He had, what was it, Foles, Dalton, and Fields throughout the course of the year. Um, now, yes, he was able to perform well with, with subpar quarterback play the last five, six years, whatever it was. Um, but I would say in a very thin wide receiver class in free agency, if the Jets strike out at getting Cooper, I would have no problem bringing Robinson in and drafting someone like Watson in the second round. Like worst case scenario, he's here for a year or two uh, and he helps you diagnose your quarterback. I I don't have a problem with that. Uh, What do you think about Robinson? You think he's uh, starting to decline? We got to watch, you know, like you're you're looking, you're looking at a system with, with Nagy, who's obviously uh, not the best offensive mind in the league. Like he was thought to be. Um, We're looking at maybe some injuries. You're looking at bad quarterback play, how, you know, was was he open but but because you know fields i'm not taking any shots in but like because he's used to the ohio state system he was used to seeing guys more open so he didn't pull the trigger like robinson never been a big separation guy um necessarily so we got to watch but the, the prior two years before that he was very consistent a very good receiver guy who last year if he told jets fans hey robinson 18 million dollars a year we'd all sign the dotted line last offseason mm-hmm. so did he drop off that that much this year where we don't even want him now you know is he probably a lower tier one at this point in his career you know, mid to low tier one. Yes. Yes. But again, you strike out on, you know, guys you might be more comfortable with um, Cooper, whoever it may be Godwin, then uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would take a flyer on, on Robinson for, for a couple of year deal. Uh, guys, I'm here with Joe Blewett from Jets X factor. If you guys are not familiar with Joe head over to Jets X factor, subscribe there, and then make sure you check out the description down below and follow jet, uh, follow Joe there he is a great follow uh always posting clips on twitter uh aaron goddard drops in with a super chat says would you take jamo williams after taking amari cooper in free agency i'm assuming he's talking about jameson williams uh here if he were to fall to the second round i would absolutely take him i think he is wide receiver one in my book um if he were healthy and i would have no problem taking him in the second round because look i that's why i would take Allen Robinson in free agency or some type of veteran receiver in free agency. Heck, even if you wind up solving a few tight ends and you wind up running 12 personnel, you're only going to have two wide receivers out there anyway. So you have Corey Davis, you have Elijah Moore, hopefully you bring back Braxton Berrios. So maybe you're set up into a position where Jameson Williams doesn't have to play until October, November, because mm-hmm. we're not trying to win a super, I mean, look, we're obviously trying to win a Super Bowl, but we're not trying, we don't expect to be in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl conversation next year. We're looking for 2023 and beyond. So yes, I would take Jameson Williams in the second round. No questions asked. Joe, what are your thoughts on Williams? Um, yeah, like, and this might be like an, like an over allocation of resources to that position, but you can't really be, um, you know, too kind of frugal with addressing this position because of Zach Wilson. Like I'm almost, I'm almost more inclined to draft Jamison Williams if they're signed Cooper than if they didn't sign Cooper, because you know, what are you getting him? November, December, he's learning the system. Does he even really play? How effective is he when he plays? You're, you're, you're talking about a high asset to a receiver who's not going to play. Um, and I need a guy to play right now, but if you address that with Cooper again, maybe I would say probably a slight over, over allocation of resources, but if you think he's legitimately a top 10 guy and then you can develop him, for, for a year, have him come in that group next year, and you're getting rid of Davis or, or Cooper the next year. Now it's Jamison Williams, one of those other guys, and Elijah Moore. If you're looking at a stacked group, so I'll be even probably again more inclined to take them if they got Cooper than if not. Uh, all right. So now that we've burned through the super chats, I want to talk to you about day four 
<laughs> of the combine. And we're going to get through this real quick because I got to jump on Green Bean Stream at 10 o'clock. So if you guys are not aware, I'm jumping over to Green Bean Stream, Green Bean Jets fan. We're doing a mock draft at 10 o'clock. So make sure you jump over there to check us out. Uh, all right, Joe, day four of the combine, we got the defensive backs and we've got the special teams. So obviously safeties, cornerbacks are really the big ones we're going to be talking about. Kyle Hamilton, I want to hear your thoughts on Kyle Hamilton, and then we're going to talk a little Sauce Gardner. So tell me your thoughts on Kyle Hamilton. Uh, yeah, he was a guy who I was like initially, okay, if he's that unicorn, if he's a guy who could play deep safety, you know, mm -hmm. in the box, can match up with tight ends, can match up with running backs, take him. I wasn't, but I wasn't thrilled with the tape, to be completely honest. And I think just last year or two streams ago, I put up multiple plays of him getting burned in coverage, taking bad angles. There was two big runs in the three games or four games I watched that were that were strictly on him, taking aggressive angles or or not as conservative angles, actually. So both both problems. Uh, there was plays where he's flat-footed in coverage, getting beat deep, but the ball isn't thrown there. There's a play where he's a robber in a cover three, and he gets locked into the quarterback, could have easily completely lit up the receiver or could have picked the ball off and he completely misses the receiver and the receiver runs for a first down. So he had a long way to go in terms of like technique. And I, I thought he was an absolute freak and an absolute technical smart stud type of guy. And I watched it and he has a long way to go in terms of his development, just, just upstairs. So that like dropped me already. And then looking at some of his numbers, which again, we don't want to go based just based on numbers um, because I think he played better than his numbers on film. But with that being said, um, they, he wasn't, he, he wasn't a unicorn in the draft, right? Like if anything, people were disappointed with him, like almost close to a four, six. I don't think he looked overly fluid. So um, he definitely hurt his stock and he's a guy who initially I would take at four uh, right now. Like right now, I think for the guys I watched, he's my 11th player. So there's 10 I'd rather have over him, you know, for the jets. So I'm not touching him at four or 10 at this point. I see a, a comment over in the chat from Socrates goes 13 year olds jets, Twitter, is in shambles over the Hamilton news. <laughs> it's because everyone's all excited yeah. about Kyle Hamilton, and then all of a sudden he doesn't run uh, yeah. the best time. What we should do one time is, like, in specific for this stuff, because, again, you can call me a bullshitter, mm -hmm. we should, like, like bring up some of the main guys people are talking about, and then show, like, I, I could show plays, I'm going to break them down, just show them and people can watch with their own eyes that plays that either confirm their their thoughts or that completely go against their thoughts. Like, like for a guy like Hamilton, who is the best, like, a generational safety if I'm showing you five, six, seven, eight bust in a three-game sample size, is he that? You know, and to me, the answer is no. Uh, sorry, I'm just responding to Green Bean in the chat. Green Bean <laughs> sent me the link to the 10 o'clock stream over on his channel, so <laughs> I will uh, absolutely check that out. Thanks, Green Bean. Um, all right. Now, guys, we have 227 likes. I, I know we can get at least to 250. I'm trying to get to 300. If we can get to 300... Uh, you know, I'm going to be real excited. Get us up to 300. I'll pick four more people to possibly win a shirt tomorrow. Just hit that like button. It, it helps the channel grow, the YouTube algorithm and all that good jazz. Uh, all right, Joe, real quick, I want your thoughts on Sauce Gardner. I think wide, or not wide receiver, cornerback, number one in this draft. Uh, talk to me. How are you feeling about him? Um, or, you say quickly or not quickly? Uh, well, I got to be on Green Beans channel at 10, so... So let's let's okay. fire it away. Okay, I was gonna read my entire list of strengths, but I'm not gonna do that because it's a it's a very long list. Hold um, on, let me rip I, this off real quick. Shavan Shu says, "Joe, tell Green Bean about Hamilton and keep at it." That's all, that's all. I don't need your response. But now, I just <laughs> talk I, to me I about just, sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Again, not not a, not an athletic unicorn, and he's not as technically refined as people think he is. There's there's plenty of, of busted plays out there in him in a, in a small sample size. 
Um, I am very high on Sauce. I think he is, is overall athleticism elite. I think his technique can use some work in terms of being a little bit grabby, but overall really, really clean technically. Um, a lot of people are like devaluing corner right now, but I would still say it's the third or the second most import, uh, important position on defense. So if you get a stud guy, they're not necessarily easy to find. If, you know, if Aquanu is not there, if you you address, a, you know, the guard position in free agency, or you're not in love with one of the edge rushers, I, I think he's definitely a really, uh, a, a really real possibility because he's, he's, a, he's a stud. Guys, I just dropped a poll in the chat. So if you are hanging out here, the poll question in the chat going to be pinned there. Would you draft Sauce at number four? Yes or no? Real easy question. Doesn't matter who's there. Would you take Sauce Gardner with the fourth overall pick? Guys, Joe Blewett and I have had a great time tonight. Joe, we've reached the end of our stream. I want you to tell the guys where they can find you, what you got going on, plug yourself, uh, and thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, JRB31 on Twitter, Jets X Factor, uh, the Jets X Factor YouTube, uh, put up plenty of reviews there and then um, streams. And again, you can call me a bullshitter, but we go through it frame by frame by frame by frame. And uh, we really get into the nitty gritty of technique and leverage and, and, and what's a bucket step versus a drop step versus a zero step versus an on step versus a lead step, like all the stuff that is important in football that people just have no idea about that we have to use those tools to evaluate players. So uh, if you want to get to nitty gritty about learning your guys and hopefully some some entertainment, you know, hopefully not the most boring guy in the world, then uh, do that <laughs> on my channel. Guys, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. I love having my buddy Joe on the channel. He comes on pretty much every month. Uh, so we'll definitely get his takes on here. Next time you come on, we are doing a film takeover and I'm just going to let you have it. And you're going to teach me all about the film on the top guys of the draft. So make uh -huh. sure you follow Joe. Make sure you follow this channel. Uh, and guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Make sure you hit that like button on the way out. My name's Ryan. This has been Jets Talk. J-E-T.